What's up, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. Super stoked to have DistroKid supporting the podcast. They're the go-to for digital distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get music into Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts, they help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance. I really dig this company and I dig their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, artists, bands, DJs, performers, and any other creators that are recording music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. The best part about DistroKid supporting the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, which is absolutely huge, making their already affordable memberships even cheaper. So check out the link in the episode notes. I will put that there, or you can also find it in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Click that link and it will give you 30% off that sign up. Can't thank DistroKid enough for sponsoring the podcast. Let's start the episode. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another volume of I Dig Records with my cousin Bobby, where we take the deep dive on records that we dig. And uh, we break them down, we talk about the tracks, and this week, this volume, volume 15, we are getting into uh, a record that I hold near and dear to my heart, which is the Third Eye Blind self-titled record. We will uh, jump into that momentarily just want to remind you if you're if you are new to the podcast the dan cable presents network world you can uh, find fresh interview conversations coming at you every friday and uh, had fences on last week out of seattle that was a great conversation with christopher mansfield and uh this week this friday celebrating 250 episodes and uh, couldn't have found a better guest for this one. Flint Flossie is on the podcast of the Turquoise Jeep Collective. We had such a killer chat, and I'm stoked to share that. It was definitely one for the highlight reel. And if, if you know who Flint Flossie is and the Turquoise Jeep crew, then uh, you know that, that is, uh, that's going to be a really dope conversation. So look out for that on Friday, and you can find these I Dig Records volumes coming at you every other week volume 14 the prior one we did steely dance asia that was awesome that was the first time we just did one record at a time instead of two and uh, that seems to be how we are going to uh continue on forward here so that we can uh, allow ourselves as much time as we want to to go on ridiculous tangents and uh, really break down the record we want to without um pushing up against time i'll put all the links in the episode notes you can find the podcast on spotify now if that's your preferred 
listening place and there's also playlists there that I've been dropping every month as well. So give those a like and a follow. Those links are all in my link tree and you can also find the Dan Cable Presents It's a Program shirts as well as the the five-year anniversary mugs. All those things are there and the links for Bobby's music group Sun King and High Pulp will also be in the uh the links for the Instagram handles as well as Inside Voices Records which is his record label and I think that's all the things all the things to to cover up top I do want to tell you if you are just here for the third eye blind conversation um which is totally fine you might want to fast forward about uh I don't know 30 minutes or so I think we uh we probably get into it around 35 minutes actually talking about the record we were uh we were talking about some some other records and and samples up top so if you want to you want to skip all that then uh just yeah speed it up 30 minutes onward onward 30 minutes and uh you will hear our chat about this this third eye blind record thanks for all the people that chimed in with their comments would love to get more of those. So hit me with an email, dancablepresents at gmail.com, or you can uh, DM the old Instagram. I try to be as responsive to those things as possible. And other than that, stay up, stay tuned. And uh, thanks for checking out another volume of I Dig Records coming at you right now. I just want everybody to know that I dig records. I dig records, bro. Ragalicious. Are you ready, man? Records, Are you ready to, to get into this? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm ready to get into this. Uh, this is I Dig Records, volume 15? Yep. 15. 14. Four, fi- 15. Four, 15. <laughs> My God. The kids got a permit. The, the, kids, the kids driving around. Yeah. Now I have a very exciting thing. I got home and look what was waiting for me. What is that? I mean, I know that there's a record inside of there. What do you think it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a record. We're going to do an unboxing because I don't even know exactly what record this is. <laughs> That's because you, you've been ordering too many records. I texted cousin Dan the other day and I said, cousin, I bought 14 <laughs> records. <laughs> I forget what you said, but your response is pretty good. I'll Let find me, that. You open that box. Can dig that up. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You find that response. Find that. It's just like a. I just remember that hey, whatever I said, your response was it's an investment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I can write this shit off, man. I'm a fucking musician. 14 records today. And I'm I said, DJ. fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Which, like, for me, <laughs> the person who also has an issue with well, I mean, records, you, well, what, what I heard you say when you said "fuck is wrong with you" is that you were <laughs> jealous. Like that's what I most likely. Heard. Um, I'm kind of in this spot yeah. where since I'm moving at the end of the month, um, I have this bag of records that are still completely sealed because I just don't really want to open up anything until I leave for some reason. Sealed like in the fucking... Yeah, like in the... Yeah, I just... Wow. 
So you just bought them. You bought a whole bag of records I, since. Yeah, I've got a bag of records um, over here, and I uh, I'm just gonna wait until I get to my new spot, and then I'll have some brand new records to, you know. That's that's cool. To get in motion. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, what's in the box? Do not pass me by, by Pastor T. L. Barrett. I know nothing about this. Okay. Okay. You will. So you are going to want to go. I don't even know if this is on Spotify. Can you type in Pastor T.L. Barrett on Spotify? Um, uh, we're going to start to start with a little sampling lesson here. Because there's a song called Father Stretch My Hands by Kanye West, which samples a song called Father, I Stretch My Hands, which is on this record. This is, um, this is a sampling, sampling, uh, just like wonder. Uh, it's a Chicago pastor, T.L. Barrett. And um, it's amazing. It's just like amazing gospel music. sample no but for the second episode in a row like i just don't know the kanye catalog like as deep and as well of oh, yeah as we did yeah the this kanye is two weeks in a row this, i mean two, yeah like two That's episodes so in a row where yeah, kanye yeah, yeah. is getting the uh he's putting on the the sample clinic for everybody so so now father stretch my father stretch my hands this is the kanye one. sample this is from the life of pablo in I'll my opinion, Pablo. my favorite Kanye record. Because like I'm also really fucking terrible with uh, track names at this point in my life. Right. It's the second song on Life of Pablo. Yeah, I thought Life of Pablo was really, really good. I think it's amazing. Every time I listen back to it, I actually okay. think it's even better. Like All I right. like. This is my like top five records of the whatever it's called, the teens. So, all right. So, did you buy this this uh, this record? Be- I found so this you bought this Kanye. record because of that sample, more or less. Yeah. Well, it's actually because there's another couple. Pastor T.L. Barrett records. I have one called Like a Ship Part Two. And um, Like a Ship Part One was put out by Light in the Attic, I think, or by Numero. I'm not sure. Maybe actually, I think they both did represses of it. Not sure how that worked. But um, so, like, it's it seems like it's like it's been a thing. And I picked that one up. I kept seeing it just at record stores. And uh, yeah, then I was like, this is. I'm going to get this. And um, it really happened, started with like when I was with the the sampler, you know, 
So I was like, oh, this is cool stuff to sample, um, obviously, as many folks have done. So, and also just like, I think gospel music is amazing. Like, this is a pastor from Chicago. I think I said that, um, which makes sense. Probably, I don't know what Kanye's connection is, but like, you know, Kanye samples like, I found out, I don't, I didn't find out about Larry Heard through Kanye, but I heard my, my buddy played me a song off of Alien, the Larry Heard record that Kanye sampled also on the life of Pablo. Um, I think, I think too much that song. Um, fade, fade. And, um, and that's like some, you know, Chicago house and then pastor TL Barrett, Chicago gospel. So I feel like a lot of my, like, I don't know, there's just so much amazing music from Chicago that Kanye is just like, seems to intentionally sample or unintentionally just cause it's in his DNA. But yeah, I mean, that's his, yeah, uh, so that's his, this that's record that geography cool. shit again. Exactly, 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 exactly. Um, so maybe I should start sampling like Nirvana or something. <laughs> Some Alice in Chains. Yeah, man. Um, no, probably won't. But there's a lot of cool stuff from Seattle, actually. Like, there's some cool... I, I need to listen to it a little bit more, but there's this comp that Light in the Attic put out called Weedle's Groove, which is like some like soul stuff from the 60s and 70s all in Seattle. Ray Charles lived up here before he... Like that's sort of where he came up, I guess. For sure. Here. Yeah, it'd be cool to Yeah, so there's some shit. Yeah, to like dive into some some really yeah. uh obscure stuff. Yeah, because it's like everybody sort of just knows it's like there was Jimi Hendrix and then there yeah. was the nineties. And then like there was sort of like the like early two thousands, sort of like sub pop, like indie mm-hmm. rock thing, mm-hmm. you know, like with um you know, Modest Mouse and Death Cab and, and that's all, that's also in the nineties yeah. late nineties, yeah. you know, but <clears throat> but there's like a whole lot more. And you know, with the exception of Jimmy, like that's all that's all like white rock music, you know? So there's like so much more I guess I mean Sir Mix a lot's from here, which is, you know, you know, it's all good. And uh Shabazz Palaces but, are up there. I think Shabazz Palaces is the is the cream of the crop, yeah. man. Like, but like they're contemporary, right, you know right. what I mean? And I think that what's super cool about Shabazz is that they are like sort of re helping redefine sort of the sounds that are coming out of Seattle, you know, uh, giving us sort of a little bit more wiggle room, yeah. you know? Cause I mean, then we also had Macklemore and it's like, that's sort of a big thing to have to fucking work through, you know? Yeah, like, for sure. It's, it's like, you know, I just am like, it felt the same way when I was in Minneapolis where it was like, Oh, there's Prince. And then like, you know, there's like Husker do and, um, you know, the replacements and all this cool stuff in like the late eighties and the early nineties. And then there's like that rhyme sayers stuff, like with right. atmosphere and brother right. Ali, but it's like, there's so much more, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like in the same way that like Seattle and Minneapolis both sort of got like, you know, the backpack mm-hmm. rap, mm-hmm. like, like tag put on them. Um, there's so much other shit. And, uh, you know, somebody as big as Macklemore, it's like, yeah, it's like, you gotta, 
you got to work to sort of like move move beyond that because there's so much more shit and i'm not knocking anything yeah you know it's just like i'm i'm just into like keeping that shit wide For sure. you know what i mean like we have so much stuff going on it's just on. interesting also when you come from a certain place and maybe um there's just this expectation for you to sound like something you know going back to the the geography thing in a different way because i don't feel like maybe yeah. the let's say the biggest cities in america like are reflected that same way you know like maybe there is like mm -hmm. uh you know a new york hipster shoegazy like sound mm -hmm. to to some degree but you're also expecting like maybe a lot of different styles of music to come out of there you're expecting like a lot of different styles of music to come out of la but like for most people when you say hey like this is a new band from seattle they're right. going to immediately maybe assume like, oh, that guitars. there's going to be something that is reminiscent right. of nirvana which is like completely unfair right. to them um right which is hilarious i mean at that point we're fucking 30 years right. deep you know right. um but no it's true and it's like you notice that even going on tour like when 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 we would go on diy tours back in the day and in older bands that i was in like you'd go around and see different like you would hit california and the sounds right. would change it was like and that's something we'll talk about with this third eye blind record is that like this to me sounds like such a California yeah. record. And it's interesting because they're from San Francisco, but like parts of this was recorded in LA yeah. and shit. And you know, this is a big LA record and it just feels like California. Yeah. And I remember that like when we would cross the border and we'd like, I remember we played like, like it was like my first tour and we were, I was like 18 or 19 and we crossed the border. And I think our first show was in like Stockton at um this fucking diy spot it was pretty cool i don't remember what it was called but um it was like the diy spot in town and it was just like i was like oh my god this is like all the sounds changed it was like pop punk shit yeah. you know what i mean and like uh it was it was cool you know what i mean but it was like nobody in seattle was playing For that sure, you know man. what i mean I'm everybody in seattle was sounding a lot more like uh fucking um that record that uh we, we trashed but we didn't trash that i gave an eight <laughs> instead of a 10. the fuck was it yeah that's spiritualized shit. yeah there's like a lot more this third eye blind record yeah oh really wow yeah interesting um, you did but not yeah, give, so wait wait hold on you did not give that record an eight there's no way 7.5 i think uh, i did no i think you listened back to it i think i said i give it a 7.5 <laughs> i don't give it a 10 I know you didn't give it an eight. Maybe a seven. I know you didn't give it an eight. I definitely. And okay, it doesn't even okay. matter. I'm just giving you a hard time about it because I think that that's like now just become another one of the running jokes in this podcast, like the <laughs> like the Mary song from the Todd Terry album. Right, right, right. So right I like I right. like that yeah, that dude. we're just gonna keep bringing it up, like very no, for man, no reason. I think that um, no, no, no. Of course, for no reason. I. I just am going to go on the record again for all of you people that hate me because you think I hate spiritualized. I don't hate spiritualized. This is I the part of the podcast that, that people just skip over because they're just like, why the fuck <laughs> do they still keep talking about this? They keep talking about this fucking spiritualized record. Uh, I feel you though. My two things about spiritualized 7.5. And if you don't, if you hate Oasis, then you can't love <laughs> spiritualized. 
That's what I'm hey, saying. I, okay. Here, I'm gonna bring this up now. I wasn't going to um until until We're already we, yeah. off the rails, man. This is why this is why we do one record, one record, record of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we can just go in. Yeah. But I was gonna talk about this later when we reveal our picks for each other at the end of the episode for mm-hmm. the uh the next mm-hmm. couple episodes, but I was yeah. going through your catalog of stuff on Discogs and what you have in the collection. Oh. And I came across yeah. the the Neutral Milk Hotel album. Yes, yeah. Um, in an airplane yeah. over the sea, in an yep. aeroplane. And I'll tell you what, I came to that record a little later than some. And mm-hmm. that's one of those records for me where I don't think it's bad, but I have the same feelings towards it as the spiritualized ladies and gentlemen were floating in space. And it's just because yeah. of what we talked about on that record is that I just found too many things mm-hmm. before hitting that record that opened up that space for me. And I just right. like really appreciate how other people do mm-hmm. it uh, a lot differently. And it's not Did that it. I don't dig totally. some tunes off that record. You know, totally. there's obviously some songs that I like, yeah. um, but it was, uh, I was just yeah. like, Oh, that's one of those records for me when I was going through your stuff. Totally. No, it totally makes sense. I haven't, you know, I, that was one of the very first records that I got. And I think I got that when I was still in high school. I got a record player when I was either a junior or a senior in high school. I got my dad's record player and then I got, you know, he let me listen to his records and shit. And then I started buying my own records. And the first record I bought was uh, the cosmic drama by Weatherbox on the blue vinyl. And uh, the other couple records I bought, I bought uh, strawberry jam by uh, animal collective. And I bought some other record that I don't remember, but those two were definitely in the first three. And then Neutral Milk came pretty soon after. And I don't, man, I don't know if I've listened to that on vinyl for like seven, seven years. I don't know when the last time I listened to it was. Now I'm going to go listen to it because I haven't listened to that record in a long time. But I do also anticipate sort of what you're saying to be true, where it's like, I think it's a good record but like i think that you know i think that i was interested in it just as much as like an anthropological experience as it was mm. like a musical experience just because like so many people were like this is the best indie rock record ever you know it had so much like yeah. critical acclaim and it was in this like zeitgeist right. and i was like dude i, I i've never heard of yeah. this band you know what i mean um so yeah, that's such an interesting one. I, I need to listen to it again. I, I really, all I sort of remember is that it goes up and down and up and down. It sort of dips and dives, and there's a lot of acoustic guitars. And then there's that one song that's got hella distortion. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> I mean, you're right though. It's a good way to put it. Like you can't, you can't, you can't choose how things hit you. And it's like if you come to something, that's why I think at the end of the day, like true ingenuity like the whole thing of like you can't get this anywhere else like i was talking about this today with a friend and i was like radiohead and i was like you really like can't go get kid a from any other band you know what i mean you can get a million bands that were influenced by kid a and you can get a million bands that are trying to do kid a but like you can't get Kid A from anywhere else. And it's like, I don't necessarily, and somebody will probably definitely disagree with me, but I don't necessarily feel like, to bring it back to that spiritualized thing, or like you're saying with this neutral milk hotel thing, it's like, I don't necessarily feel like those are like so true to that statement. I think it's true in a a way that like, 
there's an energy about those records and there's a lot of ingenuity but like there's a lot of stuff that's like pretty similar you know what i mean like in certain moments and in certain ways that like if you come to those other things first and then you like come to that later you're like i don't get what the big deal about this is you know what i mean like it's not that it's bad you're just like oh i just everybody says this is the best record ever <laughs> you know what i mean and it's like oh i just don't really get it and honestly like for me some of that has been elliot smith you know what i mean I like a lot of Elliot Smith. Um, but like, for me, it's like, I need to listen to more that, I, I don't know. Like for me, it's like, Elliot Smith is like great, but like, he doesn't like blow my shit away like he does for other people. You know what I mean? Because I didn't really listen to Elliot Smith until I was in college, you know what I mean? And then I, and I just like listened to, I loved acoustic sort of music and singer songwriter stuff in high school. And I was like, oh, this is yeah. cool. And you also, this is you also though realize his impact on the game, like the footprint he has left yeah. and people trying to mimic that double vocal on, you know, totally. acoustic. I mean, I love Alex G. So like, I'm always indebted to <laughs> Elliot Smith. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, it's not at all to say that like, I mean, that's how I feel about like Jay-Z. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not the biggest Jay-Z fan. I love Reasonable Doubt. I think that's one of the best hip hop records ever. You bet um, your ass. I think that, I think that the Black Album is really good. I once had a high school teacher when the Black Album came out, he told me, he was like, he was like, and this is the best way to put it. He was like, I just wish that every rap album was that good. I wish that that was the mm. standard. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, I don't think this is reinventing the fucking wheel. I don't think this is changing the game. I think that this is just like, it's like when you go to a restaurant and you're like, that was a really good sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, I wish every sandwich was that good. I wish that it wasn't like a, oh my fucking God, I'm going to come back here every week. I'm going to tell all my friends yeah. to go here. But it's like, if you want a good sandwich, you're going to go to that place. If you want a good rap record, you listen to the Black Album. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that like, record dropped my freshman year of college living in the dorms, and it was yeah. it was groundbreaking. You had that right? on while you were playing while you were playing, playing 2K. Madden, a lot of Madden, yeah. <laughs> and, and listening to that Black Album, and, and just, uh, you know, for the dudes that I knew who yeah, were man. diving into, like, the Fruity Loops stuff at that point, or the rappers I knew on oh, campus... Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was just a record that couldn't be fucked with, and and I thought like he he opened no, that's up what like, I mean. yeah, like I thought I thought he opened up some shit on that record that um people weren't like thinking about, and I think also like he he was really he was real forward at that point during interviews about you know what was inspiring him, and and he would talk about music outside of the genre. I remember him even talking about Coldplay. Mm. And like how great he it's thought crazy. Coldplay was, and like that having like an impact oh, yeah. on his lens and shit. <laughs> so it's like wild. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying like that's to say that I I think that the Black Album is like an amazing rap record. You know what I mean? Um, I told a hey, also than, I like, told you to buy that uh, that Jay Z Unplugged album with the Roots, and that's an incredible. Yeah, that one's tight. Uh, that's a great record. Yeah, that one's um, tight. That was tight. But I hear what I hear what it's you're cool saying. It's cool to hear them I do hear what that you're stuff. Saying. But yeah, 
it's a similar thing with Elliot Smith for me as with Jay-Z, where it's like huge influence, just like astronomical, like influence, mm-hmm. you know, on the genre and, and on, I mean, on blonde Frank Ocean does an interpolation of a, of an Elliot Smith song. You know what I mean? Like we're way past genre, <laughs> yeah, you know? Sure. And, and so it's like, you know, the huge influence and the couple records, you know, but like, as far as like, uh, this is my shit. Like Jay Z's not outcast for me. Outcast is outcast. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Outcast is like a hundred percent unfuckwithable. You know what I mean? Like it's like every single record they put out is is the shit. And and it's like for me, it's like oh, there's some Jay Z records I just don't don't hit me. You yeah, know? There's agree. Some Elliot Smith records. There's some Elliot Smith records that like I just you know haven't hit me or whatever. And it's not to say they won't, but it's like sort of like that neutral milk hotel thing you're talking about where it's like huge influence and you can respect its its influence and you can be like that's tight but you're also like huh i don't necessarily like get it like yeah that. You there's know a what bunch I mean? of other records that that uh just hit me much uh on a much deeper level and man that's funny you talking about your records yeah. and like that being one of the first because you are what sparked my you know, my fascination with like kind of starting my own collection. I remember your new lungs coming down to California on really? tour and you guys wanted to go to Amoeba records, which was like a spot I would go to a lot, oh, yeah. but I didn't, uh, I wasn't collecting vinyl at that point and you guys were buying records, man. And, and I was like, wow, what the fuck? And, uh, that was kind of one of the first things when I moved up to Portland, I was, I was told myself that I was going to start a record collection and eight years later it's it's yeah. ridiculous i've been sleeving up these deep. yeah i've been sleeving deep. up these records putting them all in those those outer mm-hmm. sleeves and yeah i just had a post come up oh yeah you got a, you got a uh you got the bunch of the the fucking like yeah, man. outside like i would i was know. resistant i was I resistant those, yeah. against getting them because i thought maybe they, they made them look funny and it turns out i actually like the way they look in them and i also like the sound they make when you when you're uh sifting through them sounds like a record store but yeah i I recently had a i had a post come up that was just like me posting the first four records that i bought like that first day of of record shopping Uh, i got that where'd you go jackpot uh, i went all over i went to like jackpot i feel like we went to jackpot a lot when we were first when you first moved up before i got super hip to before you got me hip to music millennium Cause now I feel like music and second half, dude. It, I love and second half and second half. Those, I think that those two are the best two record stores. I agree. I agree. On. And uh, Jackpot's still cool. I used to really love. There was a Jackpot Records in Portland on the west side that I used to like, and that was kind of my. I didn't mm. even know there was one on the east side when I first moved to town, and. Uh, yeah, I went to a few different stores that day. I even went to like a everyday music because that was when I was still early in Portland. I I hadn't really, you know. I fuck with everyday music though. I think that everyday music is very cool if you're like into yeah. digging. Like you have to be like I found some like amazing seven inches there, but you have to be like I'm gonna spend three hours there and I'm gonna spend an hour looking for shit and then an hour like listening to the shit on the record player they have there, you know, you just get that used stuff and see if you actually like just, just going off of album covers and seven inches and just, you know, whatever and finding the stuff. And then like another hour of like deciding what you actually want. Yeah, buy. for sure. <laughs> uh, I got that Beth Orton sugaring season, which is still one oh, of yeah. my favorite records in the collection. Um, 
the band self-titled album the brown album yep yeah i felt like that was the reason i bought a record player so like listen to stuff like that the on night a- they drove dicks. <laughs> um and then i got i got the tom petty um hard days i think it's called Dude, I really want to do a Tom Petty record on this. Oh, we, there's there's a bunch to choose from. I just don't know which one to pick. Um, yeah. I want to do them all, pretty yeah. much. He's he's like one of those front that to doc, back the, people. The documentary for me, man, just like t- turned it all around. Amazing. And I didn't have. I, I I really liked a lot of Tom Petty. I listened to Tom Petty in high school a good amount because my dad had the Tom Petty Greatest Hits record. Yep. And uh, and I was like, this shit's good, but. Then yeah, I started, didn't really listen. I was like, "Oh, dude, this shit's amazing." Uh, when I saw that documentary, that that really like blew it open for me. But I'm sorry, like the record the record I was talking about is called Hard Promises. But by Beth the, Orton, by no, who? the Tom okay. Petty one. It's called oh. Hard Promises, and it's uh, it's cool because the cover of that record, he's in a record store. Whoa, record section, dude. Yeah, meta as fuck. You know? Yeah, dude. Damn. And then the other thing I got was uh, I got the Black Keys uh, "Thick Freakness." Word. So. Yeah, um, man. And then just to bring it fucking back, so we can actually like dig into the record we're supposed to be talking about. Thirty minutes mm-hmm. into the the cast, you know. Are we really? We're thirty minutes in. We haven't talked about Third Eye Blind self titled album at all yet. You have no idea how we excited I am. You have no idea. Um, yeah. But I was sure. just thinking, you're talking about how the sounds like change pretty quickly, you know, when you get into different areas. Mm-hmm. And I always liked Pearl Jam as a kid, got even heavier into them maybe a year or two before I moved to the Pacific Northwest. But I just like remember coming up here and listening to the Pearl Jam stuff, the Nirvana stuff, yeah. the Soundgarden stuff, and the Alice in Chain stuff, <clears throat> and listening to it in this gray, gloomy the gray dark yeah. <laughs> rainy fucking yeah, place and different. just totally yeah. yeah you just get it and you're just like yeah of course this fucking well, dude, music you're, was you're made from here, like dude. yeah you're from the inland empire and shit like you're from a whole different like it's like sunny desert where you're from yeah you know what i mean it's less, like dude. hot as fuck and it's sunny a lot all like, the out, time <laughs> out here it's like just not you know right. what I mean? Just right. not, just no, not going to happen. So yeah, man. I mean, it does, it does hit different, you know? Um, I felt like when I was in Minneapolis, I bought more records from the Midwest for sure. I definitely like, got a little bit more into that Midwest emo stuff, like the uh, American football and snowing and um, you know, some of the shit that's from like braid um there's a lot of that shit from like those college towns in the midwest but yeah man geography's huge and as i get prepared to move to la right (laughs) you went from la to the northwest and i'm going from the northwest to la um i'm going back through a lot of my records and it's really interesting the ones that like i bought you know in a feverish manner when i was like 19 or 20 yeah and like some of them like really haven't aged well, you know, some of them just like, I don't need this record. I don't I want you. this record. I hope somebody buys this from me, you know, yeah. it's up for sale on Discogs. You can find my Discogs and, and see which records I'm selling. Um, because 
you know, it's funny. It's funny like that, but it's like a time capsule. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. oh, at some point, like I wanted to spend 20 bucks on this, like fucking whatever record, you know? Yeah. I mean the same dude, like with me moving right now, I'm kind of packing all my stuff and kind of seeing what I have again. Right. And it's funny to like see the th- uh, things that I also went through three years ago when I moved and just seeing the stuff that I wasn't ready to like let go of yet mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. stuff that I am willing to part ways with now. Yeah, dude. It's so funny like that. Cause I think, I really think that like, well, it's, it's not a better or worse way, but there's, you know, there's two ways. It's like, like you can sort of constantly be like bringing things in and getting things out of your record collection, which is sort of like what I'm adopting right now. Cause I've been really enjoying like, selling records that I have that I don't listen to anymore and making some money off of them. And then also like slimming down my shit. Right. So it's still like, you know, hundreds of like six, 700 records or something, but, um, you know, or you can just like keep it all, you know what I mean? And then like, when you're like 60, you're like, Oh yeah. Like this record I bought when I was 19, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like, and that's, that's really cool too. So it's sort of just like, I don't know. It's just interesting. You know, the, the records are really just like photos, you know? Right. Right. I mean, yeah, there's definitely some ones that I'm, I'm cool to like let go of and not because I'm trying to make any dollars off of it, but because maybe I'm even trying to get 10 bucks back for it because it was Mm -hmm. just like a purchase that I didn't need. And yeah, it's just like sitting in the collection and doesn't really need to, be there but it's also been fun sleeving them all up it's given me like since i'm packing them up it's kind of reason to just you know see some stuff again because you, oh, you yeah, don't often man. like go through all of your records and so. you get to put a record on while you're sleeving them up and you put a record yeah. on you might not be listening to every night or whatever and i was listening yeah, to man. that fucking that george benson record the other night the one would give me In the flight night. which which one the one would give me the night i don't know then i can't think the one with the green cover it's like the big record for sure in flight i don't don't know all these fucking names dude there's too many records it doesn't matter but yeah Yeah. you know okay so this third eye blind record (laughs) i have so much to say (laughs) yes tell me tell me what you think (laughs) i mean i'm gonna get it playing right now because First of all, this this like opening to this record of losing a whole year is just like very iconic for anybody that knows like this record and this era. There's just like a feeling that comes over you when you hear that that little guitar, you know, that lo-fi guitar playing.
I think this is top notch for side like side one song one. You know, you know about the the, the side one song one thing. Yeah, I mean from, it's a from uh, it's a, it's an opener. Yeah, I mean that's a from what have you ever What's seen? This, is this have you ever seen the movie Hot One Thing a concept? Um, High Fidelity is two thousand. So yeah, you know. And not Virgin Records. Why? Empire Records. Sorry, Empire Records. I don't know why I said. Uh, so, so there's this uh, thing in the Empire beginning of High Fidelity sorry. when Jack That's Black Jack Black is talking about Ooh, Empire Records coming in with a, a hot thirty percent on Metacritic. My man, great movie, dude. I, I will watch this. You will watch it and you'll enjoy it. I will watch this. Maybe. I so, like this. I like this. This. Yeah, it's a good vibe. Okay. So the deal is, is that. In High Fidelity, Jack Black's character is talking about records with the greatest side one song. You know, like what are those mm. records yeah. with the best opening right. banger? And right. uh, yeah, this is a killer one for me, but this record man came out in seventh grade for me, junior entering junior high, you know, the beginning of the formative That's a crazy years. time, dude. And it's a crazy time. It 97 was, uh, you're 12 dude it's just like one of these things though that like overtook my whole my whole school you know oh, like yeah. everybody i knew was listening yeah, to this this album man that was american idiot for me which is like pretty wild because that shows how different we are in age like seventh grade was american idiot and it just blew everything up right but like this i'll tell you when i first listened to this record i was like it's fine i was like i was like i was like there's a couple bangers and otherwise it's like sort of annoying at times (laughs) and uh it's like you know it's just like you know it's it's fine you know and then i just kept listening because i have to because we do this podcast and that this is a really good you know uh argument or whatever for listening to shit multiple times because i've just really come to appreciate this record in like a whole like different way you know like i think that i think it's it's it is like a time capsule and i think that the songwriting is like pretty cool and i think that the the energy just like the energy around the whole thing like it, it i i it like really obviously to me feels like a record that like had a lot of money behind it and that like like they were just like here we're gonna make like a fucking hit record and they did you know and it's yeah. like not just like but it's not like hollow it's not shallow you know what no, i mean man. like that's the thing that's really cool about it is like you know it's like a lot of shit they're dealing with in in this and like i, yeah, I just I like yeah I, I appreciate that you put me through it because like if we listen to this on like a road trip like i'd be like yeah 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 you know 
whatever and, but like and, listening uh, to it multiple times like made me sort of like appreciate it a lot more you know and this is a required road trip album for me pretty much i think it's a great so when you get into road trip albums like this like 60 minute record is choice you know what i mean yeah. like like totally totally you put on the longer records on the road trip and you can just sort of ride out to them you know yeah and we'll get deeper into it but it but for me man like i was just uh you know i put a a message that we were we were doing this record tonight on Mm -hmm. this podcast and just for like anybody to to leave some comments and you know uh that dude daniel g Harmon from distro kid i just had him on the Mm -hmm. podcast a couple weeks ago he was just like yeah top 10 albums for me easily and everybody thinks that this record is about the bangers and it's not and i was just like yeah it's 14 fucking killer tracks and any one of them could be a single yeah that's that's the truth right there that is the truth like you you can hear that like the songwriting is like if you put all of these songs if if you had all these songs played acoustically in front of you you'd just be like they're all just fucking great songs you know what i mean like before any of the arrangement and the 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 full band shit and the solos and all this it's like oh man these songs like stand on their own as just like like chords and melodies and lyrics you know dude yeah and I just think like Stephen Jenkins, who's the singer of Third Eye Blind and and like the main songwriter, like I just think like his vocal delivery and his melodies on on recorded material at least is is like it's top notch, dude. Like he he his like economy of words that he's able to put into a song and for it like the small places that he crams a lot of of words, yeah, like man. I think. I think it's like economy of done words, damn. really fucking well, dude. Like, yeah, no, I mean like there's like, and I mean, I remember that like from when I was young and, you know, I mean, I remember hearing a lot of these songs when I was in middle school too, just the, the bangers and like just realizing like sort of how his cadence was like pretty unique and, you know, vocally fitting a bunch of shit in. It was almost like, hip-hop you know what i mean where he, it's like yeah dude he really could flow in. he yeah. really like brought in those elements and he did it in like his own way yeah i guess you know in a way that didn't f- never felt uh gross to me i guess you know it never felt like he was trying to do yeah a I, rap rock thing to no, me there, there's some like later really records cringy. Yeah, there's some later records where maybe like he explores a little more spoken word and, right. and does some of that stuff, and it's like some of it's cool and some of it's whatever. Yeah. But I, and I think even you know you were talking about you know it feels like they went in to make this record to like make a hit record, mm-hmm. but to me like the songwriting also feels like super authentic in in the sense that I feel like a lot of it like unintentionally became big. Like, I don't think you just like are able to crank out like 14 tracks like this where I don't want to like skip one. And I think even, you know, with some of the tunes, like you, there's, there's like this anthemic vibe to some of them, but I feel like it's unintentional. Like, I don't think they're writing the tune and being like, yeah, this is like, 
this is the anthem. Like, I just feel like that was kind of like mm-hmm. what was flowing out of the dude. Yeah. To some I, degree. No, I think that that's true. Like, I, I'd be curious to know, like, what the process was like. I assume that, like, you know, when they got signed and made moves to make this record, like, a lot of these songs were probably already written. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, which is like, this is, you know, this is back in the 90s. This is like, the you know, days of real A&R work for a label to go find some fucking person that's got amazing songs and you turn those songs into some real shit. And it's like, yeah. it all starts with the good song. You know what I mean? Like, that's the facts. And it's like, I think that like, you, you don't, you don't, you don't just go write 14 bangers like accidentally. Like, I think that these were already there, you know? Yeah. And it's so cool. Like I'm listening to narcolepsy right now. And what's cool about narcolepsy is it's sort of got like these three sections. Yeah. And the first part is cool. Cause it's like, you're coming off of losing a whole year, which anthemic, like you said, and big and, you know, fucking you know big guitars and, and it's like at the same right there. it's at the same uh dynamic kinda, level kinda the whole num- time yeah yeah it's, it's like, like going it's like yep. this song like losing the whole year is like a like a here we are loud yeah. and proud the whole time and then you get to narcolepsy which is like the first minute and 24 seconds or 27 20 whatever of yeah. narcolepsy is this slow thing that is like a song in and of itself you know what i mean it's like like they they could have made this first bit a track in and of itself and then made the third song start at a minute and 20. Mm -hmm. and it's cool because like you go away from the losing the whole year vibe and then you you go into this sort of like you know patient spacious mood and then you go right back in you know at 126 right back into just fucking rock and roll Because it's like constantly re re um, establishing like this as like a, a, a identity of the album. You know what I mean? Like this album to me has like so much youthful energy in like a really good way. Like amazing songs and just like just like there's like an urgency. You know what I mean? It's like there's so much conviction mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is, like, so hooky, dude. Like, all of, like, I can't hear this narcolepsy slide. Yeah. Like, so hooky, man. 
and and like, uh, yeah, and he's like, <clears throat> I think he's pretty underrated lyrically for the first three albums at least of this of this band's career, where like his his references for things and his his delivery and turns of phrases with words and double meanings of things at, at some points um, is is just fucking great. And I think I think it was interesting. I was th- I was thinking about listening to this record and how it kind of it makes me like feel it's obviously like very nostalgic for me mm-hmm. but I also think it's great but it also just I don't know it makes me it it gives me that youthful energy it makes me feel like yeah. I'm 13 yeah, years totally. old again it makes totally. yeah it makes me not understand how I'm 35 right totally <laughs> and, dude and then also I'm I'm thinking that like at that time though still even you know at, at 13 I really like could feel the full range of emotions mm-hmm. that this record captures you know yeah, like totally. some of the deep sad shit we're talking about totally dark drug stuff I oh, mean yeah. you know we're, and you might not even know what that shit even like is like that but like you feel it you know in the yeah. music like it comes through. I definitely did not understand. <laughs> Bless you. Oh, I'm blessed. Uh, obvi- I definitely didn't like understand the depth of the lyrics yet, right. but like I could feel, I think that they came from a, a, you know, like a real place. And like I was saying, just like that full range of emotions is captured through this record. And there's just so many moments. Like there's all these fucking moments on every single song that I, that I look forward to. And you're talking about those movements. It's hook after hook, dude. It's hook after hook, man. You're talking about like those (sighs) movements is like, there's that third movement of narcolepsy where everything halts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you just get that huge break. You got a halftime. So good. It's like sludgy shit. Yeah, man. No, I mean, I, I mean, in this song, the biggest hook for me is, How'd you like to feel alone and drowning? How'd you like to feel like that's like amazing? Like, and they only do it like four times. You know what I mean? That could be the chorus. You know, like they could they could have done that like four times in the song. You know, right? Narcolepsy leads us into the most iconic song like on this record. It's the first single. This is Third Eye Blind's like introduction to the world is semi-charm life. And I think it's an amazing song, dude. Yeah. Song you were talking so about good. you were talking about how you felt like a lot of these songs were already made and I was reading this thing. It was like Stephen Jenkins and the band kind of revisiting this record. It was a written piece on Billboard and the the idea was like you know a lot of people saw this band as this overnight success and and they were kind of trying to stress mm-hmm. like hey this was a we- like this was a time in music 
where people got demo deals, where record labels like RCA gave Stephen Jenkins and his writing partner, the other guitar player in the band, a bunch of money to make Mm -hmm. some demos of some songs that they might think has some life, you know? And they did that for like two years before this record was made. And then ended up, even before this record comes out, they get in this bidding war of between labels to even put this record out. Because but, all these labels are like, all these labels are like, these are great songs. Yeah. But Stephen Jenkins was talking like, how about. How were they at this point? Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. He's like 51 now, I think. So like he's like possibly? in his like mid 20s. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like in his mid 20s. I mean, that's just like a lot like. Because if you're getting in these bidding wars, like this record's coming out, like he probably wrote this record when he was like 21, 22. And then like you're getting this, I, I don't know, man. It's just like pretty crazy. Like, yeah. To just deal with all that. I was reading on Semi Charm Life that he had that drum loop before he even got together with any of the other people in the band. Word. For, for Semi Charm Life. Like that. And, and then also, right. not only did he have it, that drum loop is the one that he had like on his his four track or whatever that was right. used on the record really yeah interesting yeah that's tight I'm packed and I'm holding I'm smiling she living she golden she lives for me said she lives for me evasion who am motivation she comes round and she goes down on me and I make you smile like a drug for you do whatever what you wanna do coming over you Smile at what we go through One stop to the rhythm that divides you And I speak to you like the chorus to the verse Drop another line like a goat with the curse Coming like a freak show takes the stage We give them the games to play to say I want something else To get me through this semi tone kind of life Yeah man, I mean I remember learning this song on guitar Like you know, like this is like one of the as far as the, the albums that we've done on this podcast, like this is one of the biggest songs that we have done, especially in our gener- in our life, you know, like, yeah. you know, there's like Pet Peg, you know, or whatever, um, you know, Number we did four, some bigger Billboard stuff hit. from back in the day. This one? Yeah, but this is like, this is like the biggest song that we've talked about in our lifetime. It hung and, on the charts uh, forever. Yeah, man, it's like pretty... It's, I liked, okay, so your buddy that, that hit us with the uh, voice memo, shout yeah. out. Yo, this is Sam from Stoner Control. I love this record. Semi-Charm Kind of Life was one of the first songs I fell in love with, and I spent most of high school trying to write a song half as good. It's such a sneakily dark pop song. It's got, like, panties and crystal meth, but then it's got the doo-doo-doo-doos. It's like mbop, but, like on the street it's it's an amazing track and if you've ever seen somebody try to do it at karaoke it's a vocal marathon okay people are usually spent by the second verse and then you have that like a build-up again and then you have the cathartic kind of goodbyes at the end and he goes back to the note and just like holds it forever i mean you know the note the good I love when he talks about how this is like a karaoke, like workout. Oh you know, God, because dude, dude I, you try to sing this shit, and it's just like, dude, 
it's a four and a half minute song and there's like the only repeating lyrics are the chorus and there's like no solo you know what i mean like it's just like it's like verse chorus verse chorus bridge intense bridge like and then fucking chorus and then outro and yeah i just remember like the part i'm listening right now to like two minutes and 23 seconds listen to the cadence He's like, like you said, what did you say? The economy of words or something? Dude, to, like, yeah, to like fits. be able to place that many words yeah. inside that phrase is fucking incredible. Yeah. And then, oh man, and I will say the best part of this whole song is after 2.45, this is something I want to do just a little bit. Yeah. See myself <laughs> hanging on the ground. Like, dude, you just like, dude, oh my God. It's not always like the melody or the pitch. Even it's like his tone that was captured mm-hmm. on these records is is just so fucking good. Like no matter whatever his dynamic is, That's is what I was is perfect. Yeah. And yeah, dude. It it's uh, I don't want to like say some super blasphemous shit, but as far as like being able to place that many words like within a verse, it's almost like that Biggie shit where like Biggie Ooh. bars <laughs> are you know, sweet lord. But like, as far as like that's, that's placing that many, that but no, many you're right. Words, no, I hear you. I like, hear you. I hear it's you. It's not a like compare. <laughs> <laughs> Biggie's one <laughs> no, of my favorite people of all time. I'm baby. fucking with you. I'm <laughs> fucking with you. But um, no, I think you're right in that. Like, there's like such a. Well, the thing that I think about it like is that he like uses all these different cadences in a similar way that like a hip hop artist does. Um, it's not just like a single melody with a single rhythm throughout the whole song. He finds different pockets and like that's pretty ahead of its time for 1997 you know what i mean and um what i was gonna say before i forgot was uh i hear a lot of connections between what you're talking about with like the the intonation of his voice and the timbre and the way it's articulated and you know communicated uh it's like this huge record that's like you know 90s guitar rock fucking big la shit and it also like foreshadows emo for me yeah i hear a lot of foreshadowing of like shit that you wind up hearing in fallout boy this is fucking gotta be like six years later yeah dude taking back sunday yeah oh yeah totally taking back sunday fallout boy not really mcr as much but like just like a whole lot of the co-founder yeah <laughs> yeah the co-founder for sure um yeah you just hear a lot of that you. you know I, yeah no i i think this is definitely you know people that love emo music and pop punk love this record as well which makes sense it's a great it's a great it, it really like that's sort of how it registers is like it's like big guitar rock plus like 
major label money with great songwriting and so many hooks. Yeah, dude. I just love how they're, they're able to like, I really do feel like they also made like, yeah, they put like their own, their own spin on rock and roll yeah. with this, these pop sensibilities, I guess. And then also I think there's just like a lot of interesting moments, music, like music breaks that, oh, yeah. that happen as well. And I loved that also Sam in his message, like mentioned that he pretty much spent his entire, uh, trying to write a song. Yeah. His, his, yeah. Like, yeah. In high school, he spent high school trying to write a song as good as uh, like semi charm life. life. Yeah. And I've had those dudes on the podcast and we've definitely talked about third eye blind before yeah. as, you know, an yeah. influence for that, that stuff. And I think, dude, even, even in my own songwriting, I don't think that, I think it's like impossible for me to like avoid whatever this record has done to my psyche as far as that. Oh, I hear very unintentional. I hear hear so much influence in your shit with this. Like that was one of the first and constantly reoccurring things is like, Oh yeah. Like that makes a lot of sense. sense. (laughs) Yeah. It's like third eye blind and petty. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally dude. Totally. Totally. Um, But yeah, dude. And then you get, into jumper what do you think about jumper so i want to also like tell you about this part because i feel like this is very different from how things work so this is the fifth and final single that came off this record that's pretty wild second most popular but i think that the interesting thing is like so we live in this age now five five singles five singles dude it's this it's uh we'll get into it how's it gonna be I was going to be uh, graduate semi charmed life, semi charmed life and losing whole year. Oh, losing the whole year was a single. Yeah. Cool. So, <laughs> so the thing is, is that like now we, we have this process where, you know, high pulp's going to put out a record and you guys are going to drop three singles leading up to the record, right? Max probably. Yeah. Okay. But this is a time where you maybe release a single or two, Maybe not at all. Maybe just one right before the record comes out. And then you release a bunch of other singles after the record comes out because you're making music videos. (laughs) Right. I remember this. This was true with hip hop, too. So so this so this song comes out as a single a year and a half after this record comes out. (laughs) That is super weird, you know, and that that is so right, because like I remember with like i remember when like get richard i trying came out and like i don't know if it was like the case but like you know like like 21 questions or something like that like might have come out after and i was like i know this song this isn't a single you know but you're right it was like oh well we're gonna release the single with the music video yeah and it's like what does this even mean you know yeah, what dude, I mean? there's and you're just touring the fuck out of this album because of that too, because right. you're still promoting it. And so, yeah, there's two, That's there's so two funny. singles on this record that come out a year plus after the record even comes out. But I, that doesn't happen anymore, right? No, like, no, you don't like really release singles after you release a music video. Yeah. That's not a single, but it's just different because yeah, you, you don't yeah. really have this major hub anymore to release music videos. There's no sense in like premiere. Like what are you premiering your music video on rather yeah, than like other than a blog? Shout out to MTV for just like dying and not caring at all. 
for just being what do you like, think we dude, don't like give a when fuck. do you think mtv has a revival of where they like show music videos and people care about it again i really hope they do i i don't you know i was actually thinking about this to myself the other day <laughs> it's just like mtv fucking sucks and i was just like <laughs> thinking about it i was like this is sad i'm bummed like mtv yeah. used to be cool because i used to i used to watch mtv every day and just like i was just like dude they probably make so much more money showing like whatever the fuck reality tv shows they're showing now you know yeah. Yeah. like that's real like that's probably what it is so it's like, I don't know, I think it's like almost like got to be like a fucking like philanthropic thing that they would do where it's like, oh, we're trying to like reinstill ourselves as a music thing, right? you know, because like they have enough money to do that. They could just make MTV3 and just like bring fucking TRL back and fucking do the top music video countdowns because that's the shit that I miss is music videos. Like, yep. I remember like, it, I mean, MTV wasn't dead dead until like you know till i was in high school really i remember seeing like you know mr Brightside and shit and mm, you know yeah. videos that were off of um that modest mouse record fucking uh good news for people mm-hmm, have bad mm-hmm. news you know like that stuff was still on mtv and mtv was still like doing things um but i just miss that so much having the music video countdown and music videos during breakfast and I used to wake up and watch music videos every day before breakfast or before school while I was eating breakfast. I was like, this is tight. This is yeah. so cool. So I don't know. I hope they do, but I just, nobody really watches cable anymore either though. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like you, you sort of just need like a, another, like, I don't know. It's sort of this nebulous thing where we're, we're still waiting for the snow globe to settle with the whole music industry. You know what I mean? Like, right. we don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, labels are just trying to make money somehow you know yeah. and 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 i don't know i appreciate kendrick for that though i feel like when kendrick did to pip a butterfly he really dove into the visual elements of of art and brought back sort of the validity and the importance that a music video can have you know what i mean um at least in my life, that was when I like felt like I was like, oh, I want to do some music videos again. You know what I mean? Was I was like, these are relevant again to me. So I yeah. don't know, man. And as far as Jumper Man, like I I think speaking back to like just kind of understanding that there was a weight to this thing. I mean, I starting this song off with "I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend" was like a yeah, pretty, pretty impactful sh- thing to hear at that age. Straight ahead, right there. You're yeah. like really dealing with some mental yeah. health shit, and suicide, yeah. and but somehow like there's some I don't know. There's like some positive spin to it in some like some way with the music and well i mean he's like i would understand like he's like i yeah. got you you know that mean? part too you like, know and and this was the second to most popular single i mean this is yeah. this is a song you're gonna hear on the radio any given time and in, in especially in southern california or anywhere in california that plays you know some alternative rock or whatever at this point you're gonna hear you're gonna hear i will say all the time I think it's probably my least favorite song on the record, though. In retrospect, it's one... And I'm not saying I don't like it. Yeah. It's just like, you know, 
like the other songs are cooler you know i i think that i agree with a lot of that um in listening back over and over it's just like um maybe this one like there's a lot of moments i like on this song but i wouldn't say that it's my favorite and it kind of goes back to like yeah, I love the singles on this album, but they're not my favorites. And we'll kind of get into that, but right. I do that like this kind of groovy spot me. at like 2.30 that yeah. happens. With the, the bridge. Yeah, I, I think uh, the the drummer, dude, like his, it's, his yeah, name dude, is Brad bridge, yeah. Hargraves. And I think he's like a real motherfucker, like holding it down on this whole album. And like from what I've seen, I've seen them play live like three times. And he's the only other original member of this band that hangs. Um, oh, really? Okay. But he he uh, he holds it down. I mean, I this, definitely remember. Style of music. I remember learning. I remember learning uh, "Semi Charmed Life" and playing along with it all the time. And I also remember playing along with this all the time. Like when I first listened back to "Semi Charmed Life," I was like, I remember all of the fills. I remember everything. You know, like, because I would play along with this when I was, like, 13, 14, and just, like, have a fucking blast. Yeah. And then, yeah, coming out of this, um, coming out of this 2.30 moment into the the big, like, guitar, that's it. Yeah, man. Yeah, you get the fucking gang vocals on the way out. Where where you you're definitely yeah, hearing yeah, like yeah, that yeah. taking back taking back Sunday call and response thing Sunday, going yeah, on. Totally. Totally. absolutely destroys and graduate which was the second single off the record like introduces this whole new angsty like punk rock fucking attitude to the mix Dude, i think graduate might be my favorite song on this record i think it's so good it it feels like um it sort of reminds me of like the story so far you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like it, it reminds me of some hey, of this like big fan. <laughs> I know it sort of reminds me of this like Bay Area sort of like this is like such fun shit to play too. Like I just yeah this this feels so like very much California with the gang vocals on the Can I Graduate. And it's just like 
whenever it opens up back to that hook, it, it gives you such a reward. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think we should play this song. Back to the back to the main riff, dude. It's not even it's not even when it goes back to the can I graduate thing. It's just when it goes back to the main riff. It's so nice, man. I don't. I just like yeah. It's just like it has so much natural momentum from the composition. You know, like again, if you heard this on an acoustic guitar, you'd be like, yeah, you know, yeah, dude, and just. uh I don't know. I just feel like they've with this whole record, you always kind of get these cool these these cool little changes in how they're going to enter that second verse, you know. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. he is probably going to shift the the vocal dynamic a little bit. Right. And there isn't always like this fucking you know, this super rigid structure to it. Right. Right. Well, that's like, the thing I was going to say is like also even like so you go to how it's going to be and it's like a whole different vibe, buddy. Um, but like throughout this whole record and I think even including how it's going to be maybe a little bit less. So all of this songwriting, if you were to like, like something I have my students do when I'm teaching drums is like, we'll listen to songs and we'll like write down 
the sections of the song. So we try to like understand like composition, you know, we'll be like verse, intro, chorus, whatever, bridge. And if you were to do that for this whole record, you would see how like pretty like unique the song structures are. Right. Across yeah. the whole record. Like it's Absolutely. not it's not intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, outro. There's a lot you know, of different it's like there's a like lot we more about. Yeah, there's like a lot of weird shit that goes on and it all still flows and it's all still like pop, which is like a really amazing feat. Like I think that's really like a strong point of this record that it's not predictable within the composition, you know? Yeah. Um so how's it gonna be like the ballad on the record and yeah the third single this one hits number nine on the billboard it's, it's just crazy it's interesting that they have this that they have this and jumper two songs apart number four and number six the acoustic guitar songs you know sort of the like you know like at the front of the record after you already hit them with all these like I don't, it's just really interesting. I think it's pretty smart. Um, again, as we talk about like the cadence of a record a lot. Yeah. But there is there is uh, there's only a few songs that that really remind me heavily of like my parents' divorce, and this is one of them. Like, oh yeah, this is maybe the oh, top yeah. one. later a year after this is like when i got to start like burning cds and making my own mixes so this ends yeah, up yeah, on one of my first mixes this this track is on it that you got or that you gave that i like asked somebody to build for me like with the you know these songs oh, that said, were available hey, i was just like yeah i want this Word. song this song this song and yeah, I knew I love this record. Were they getting the songs off of LimeWire, or were they getting the songs like was LimeWire a thing? Not even Li- I don't even think we're LimeWiring at this point. I think we're uh, at that point. People there's no LimeWire. This is like yeah, someone you know we're pooling CDs together. Um, right, right. Hell yeah, dude. So Hell you know yeah. this one ends up on my f- like first ever mix, and I want to like credit my parents huge because both of them always let me listen to the music I wanted to listen to often in the car, that is tired. you know, and like a majority, oh, not really? all With of the time, the car. 
Yeah, not That's all sick. the time, but like a majority of the time. My dad specifically, if we were going to hockey, he usually let me fucking control the music, which was like always <laughs> yeah, really yeah. great. But there was like boss. the other cool thing is like my parents learned to like a lot of the music I had, and like I'm totally. like I saw like I like would often be in my in the in the truck with my dad, and like this song would come on and I just like, I'm just like, Oh fuck. Like this dude's going through yeah. it. And he loves Like he right. loves this song also. <laughs> like right, you know, this right, is the same right. dude that introduced me to the fucking Phil Collins, you know? And right. now like right. I'm showing him like my vet, like my era ballad. And like, he also right. like really like got down with like a lot of the, you know, fucking chronic 2001 is like heavy at that time. And we would listen That's to that shit tight. all the time in the car. Explosive. And it was, so credit to both of my parents for like always letting me listen to shit. My mom loved like Third Eye Blind and like when I would yeah. put Blink and like Eve Six on and shit in the car. Like yeah, she was bro, just I down. Mean, I remember when we were at at Grandma's house and I was in the back of your mom's car and uh, Enema of the State CD <laughs> was yeah, in the passenger <laughs> seat behind the little flap behind the passenger seat. Yeah, and I was like, bro. He's allowed to have this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was considerably older than you at that right, point. Right, like right, our age right, gap right. was like a different thing. Too. It was a different thing. But yeah, also, yeah, like my mom would let me play old. that in the car and she would probably like know some words to it. Like, right, our, right, right. man, she loved, you know, that's, that's when awesome, I got into dude. the Goo Goo Dolls, she yeah, was dude. heavy. She, she was down. Girl. Yeah, yeah, man. So I definitely, yeah, I remember listening to the Goo Goo Dolls with my mom a bit too. We were driving to baseball practice and shit. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's just funny listening to this record, man, because it's like really every time I listen to it, there's you know, it's it's pretty reflective. I mean, you know, and it, and it, it does like, give me that like full range of emotions, and and uh, it's funny because like you know, like I didn't really understand the depths of like all the drug content that was talked about and shit, but it's also funny because in right. junior high, I remember the first two dudes ever getting caught smoking weed in the bathrooms right and like most of us dude we thought their fucking life was over (laughs) like like, you know what i'm saying like it was just like stress that way this is like at a point where i never thought i would touch weed while you know and i would never like i would never do psychedelics or anything like that you know i wasn't gonna be the dude smoking cigarettes i was like a pretty Right, right, right. Head kid. right, right. And like, I remember these two dudes get, getting caught smoking weed in junior high and eighth grade. And it was just like, bro, right. their life is over. And I'm just like, no, actually one of them right, right. went on to be a pretty successful football player. He played, he played on like national championship <laughs> teams at USC. He, he played in the pros for That's a bit amazing. with the Cowboys. And I'm just like, yeah, it's a little different. I understand the fucking, good, you know, you want to put good. some fear into the kid, but, uh, it's just funny. Like, you know, kind of having that context for it. And, you know, I, I would never expect you to, you know, feel the same way about this record. I knew there, there was a chance that you wouldn't really care or connect with it that much because like it, you know, it didn't happen for you during this time. I wasn't there for this. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it holds up and is a, is like maybe one of the better snapshots of this genre because for better or worse, like I think so many fucking bands and guitar players chase down this sound 
and trying to recreate yeah, this shit. And some some did it well, and some you know just like anything else, I guess. So it's like not right. this isn't like right. a hot take swing thing, but I do head. think that this band right. plays heavy in the zeitgeist for as far as influence for bands at this time and and even bands now. I think it's true. I think that like you, I mean, I asked I asked uh, Matt about this uh, Halverson. I was like, "What do you think about Third Eye Blind first record?" <laughs> And he was like, legendary. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was like, it's amazing. It's like, a fucking and he's life. like six it's years like older a- than me. And the same thing with like, yeah, uh, yeah, fucking DGH. Like, same thing, man. He he's also older than me. You know, saying it's a top ten record, and and we yeah. also talked yeah. about. And I was gonna tell you this. For me, this record is three sections. Okay, I've always okay. like, and, and like, I I've felt this way for a while about it, just because it is lengthy. And I definitely love it. Does the second section start after how it's going to be? Yes. So thanks a lot is like the second section, the beginning of that for me. And, and, and Daniel kind of like agreed with, you know, he was just like, yeah, man, I think there's like three different sections to this record. And I was like, absolutely dude. Like this is in my notes for what I'm about to talk about. Well, it's funny. Cause like, bro, are all five of, are all five of their fucking soul or singles, the, uh, the first yeah. six songs. Yeah, five of the first, uh, five of the six are singles. Nar- Narcolepsy is the only that's one amazing. that isn't a single. That's amazing. <laughs> it is pretty amazing. A front loaded record. Um, what did you think about Thanks a Lot? I think it's cool. I thought that I will say that like the lyrics, the like slit the throat of your confidence or whatever it is. Like it's a little bit like too like on the fucking nose for me yeah but like this is again where it like foreshadows emo you know what i right, mean right and it's like you know it's whatever <laughs> and like and all and all of your uh cousins writing for the first 10 years of his little life <laughs> of, of uh, writing music just a yeah, very yeah. man just very fucking like very dramatic heart you know, on like, the fucking I, sleeve heart man. on sleeve and, yeah. and like those were the those were the dudes those were the people that you know that influenced you me heavy at that like, time i didn't yeah. i didn't Man, I, I had no understanding of like creating mystery. I don't right, think right, for, right, right, for right, a right. long time, and like it's still like I think it's like something I'm conscious of now. So it, it makes its way in a little bit now, but yeah. still like I I try to be conscious now of maybe not being so like straight ahead all the time. But but then also I'm like, oh man, this is kind of like what I know how to do. <laughs> You know, it's a trade-off. It's not a better or worse thing, and they work at different times in different ways. You know, like yeah. you know, I think about Neil Young like that, where it's like sometimes he's like really straight ahead, and other times he's like sort of esoteric. You know, but yeah, I think that this song is cool. Um, I like how it has like it's, I don't know how to describe it other than sort of like sassy. It's got like sassy feel to it. I think um, that's dude. That's just also him being the master of falsetto. Mm-hmm. I think this song is like cool. It's a vibe. I like the uh from the guitar solo out into that breakdown. 
like and and just the way it like builds back up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just like this is a whole nother dynamic of the song that hasn't been shown yet, and it's like my favorite part. back half of the song is definitely a little bit stronger part but if you think about it like as this like is the beginning of you know a second movement within the whole record like the first part of the song also makes sense um it's just like the first part of the song that is like it's the first part of this whole new movement which is a little bit more like in it's a little bit more repetitive you know yeah and then we develop develop from there you know what i mean yeah and then you get into Burning Man, which I think has some like cool licks to it. Um, it's not like my most notable song on the record by any means. I, I will say, I think that um, the way that he sings the I want to find out is like really pretty hooky. Like amazing. <laughs> if, you, if you play this from like um, 30 seconds... And this is the thing, right? This is sort of like middle of the record, like not like forgettable, but like it's just like in like it, there's a lot of shit that's happened, and there's a lot of shit that's gonna happen, and you're still just drowning in hooks. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like this record is so hooky, and then they go away from the distorted thing, and then they suck it up, and they go back to the sort of like groove, and it yeah. feels fucking great. You the know, suck, the, yeah, them sucking it up like that is very, very fucking cool. Yeah, and that's cool too because it's sort of a different dynamic from what they've done on the whole rest of the record. Yes, like not really agreed. doing. They're not really doing that uh, across the record so far, you know. And then I think, as far as sequencing, one of the best moments is is actually the end of this song and of how Burning seamlessly Man in, good for you. it goes into "Good for You." Totally. And I think you know, as you get to know this record better, like this is just you know, you know that's coming. Oh yeah, and it all and just it, feels like one continuous. And I think this whole record, even you know, even though not everything is tied together like this one, it it all feels like you know it's it's this big picture thing to me. I mean, that transition between those two songs sounds like the transition between the second and third part of Narcolepsy. It's like yeah. that fluid. You know what I mean? Exactly. It could be the same song, but it's like okay, cool. 
we're just using this as like a vehicle to move us to the next thing. Maybe that's For not sure. how they wrote it, but like it's definitely how it functions. Yeah, I think good for you is cool. It introduces a little bit of mystery, you know, just in the verse, in the first, like throughout, like there's those there's Arta, those little yeah, yeah. There's some sort of like it feels like there's like a chorus on it, and it sounds like there's some like weird compression. It's cool, like when that's happening though, and I don't know like which way it was recorded if those parts happen before the vocal was there but like if he sang over that with that happening and and finding a way to like cut through that vocally too i think that shit is like very impressive like i I think it's a very difficult thing to do i assume that's how he did it and i think it's just because he has really good ears of what he wants to hear you know what i mean like i think that it's like the whole the whole record is just reinforcing the idea that like this shit this dude's a really good songwriter and has like really good ears yeah man because you haunt my nights when i don't know where my life should go (laughs) yeah dude uh, woof um the 250 mark there's this Mm -hmm. build that happens there of that tune oh yeah 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 Even, yeah, dude, even thinking about the way, like, when he screams on this record and there's these, like, yeah, these these very, like, these shouts that happen pretty low in the mix sometimes. I don't know. It's just so fucking good. Have you seen them play London live? Yeah. That's tight. I think that this song was one that I didn't love at first, and then I've really grown to like it a lot. Yeah. Um, Because it felt a little, like... I don't know, dude. Like the hook, the, the the verses were just sort of like. I just felt like I was at like zoomies, you know what I mean? Um, which is where I had my first kiss. Did you know that I had my first kiss at zoomies? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, dude, fucking sick. Um, and it's just the verses that feel like that, and they they sort of like remind me of the the side of like emo music that I don't love, you know. The yeah. stuff, on your mind, on your mind, on your mind, like that For shit, sure. like whatever. But the yeah. the gang shouts of the don't want to go to London is so fucking good. 
and you get to the quarter notes on the drums, on the snare drum. Got to, got to, got to, got to, go. Yeah, man, it's, uh... Yeah, and I, li- I like it's, how it it's, opens it's up moving. the chorus as well. Yeah, it's really, it's really moving. It sort of justifies it there. It's another one of the songs I graduate that kind of has the punk rock energy to some degree, you know, some of that skater punk stuff. Like, this could have easily been in a Tony Hawk game. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, man, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I was a Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 guy, not a Pro Skater 1 as much. Pro Whoa. Skater 2 all day with uh, Bob Burnquest or uh, Kareem. Um, fuck, what's Dude. Kareem's name? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Kareem, uh, Tony Hawk, Pro Skater, no, (laughs) Kareem, I know who you're talking about, Kareem Campbell, okay, that's what I thought it was, okay, cool, why didn't Uh, you just say that then, because I didn't trust myself, (laughs) Um, because you didn't want to say Kareem Riggins, (laughs) (laughs) wow, dude, I'm on the the TonyHawkGames.Fandom.com, backslash wiki backslash kareem underscore campbell in case anybody's trying to see this and uh the fucking graphics from fucking nintendo dude i dude. mean this shit bro this shit we have really really come a long way it's like so a, sick a that they uh, remastered that last I year i i have it it's like 40 bucks. Dude, I, would, it's so, I spent it's so, so much money on stupid shit. I should buy it, but you get both games. Yeah. And you can fucking like shred as Nigel Houston. And that dude is just like so fucking sick in that game. Nigel Houston. Yeah. Who's that? You don't know anything about skateboarding now, huh? Um, I guess not. I guess I, <laughs> yeah, I guess like I probably suck, the, dude. He's like the Michael Jordan of skateboarding. I thought that was Tony Hawk. Yeah, like Tony Hawk was, uh, you know, obviously changed the game. Is Nigel before Tony Hawk? Nigel's now. Oh, Nigel really? is everything, dude. Okay, he's like the Lewis Hamilton. Dude, Nigel, Nigel crushes. How do you spell um, Nigel? Uh, it's like N Y J A H, maybe. Okay, Nigel Houston. Okay, there we go. Incredible, incredible okay. skateboarder. He's not my favorite, but From he is Davis. the Michael. He is the Michael Jordan of skateboarding. He's just like super fucking nasty. Oh, I recognize this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also twenty six, which is absurd, dude. And he he won so much like early on. Yeah, he, is, his shit. He won gold in the two thousand eleven X Games, which is when I would have graduated from high school. So he would have been a sophomore in high school. He's two years younger than me. Wow. Yeah. Um, check check the text I just sent you. I, I saw it. Amazing <laughs> graphics. Amazing. Yeah, dude. Unreal. So after after London is when we get into the third part of the record for me, and it makes sense. This is my my favorite section of the record. These are my all my favorite songs. Are is the rest of the record? Like I want you. Is uh, I feel like this song is like a vibe, for sure. Also, I was just going to say is that it's cool because there's a lot of textural thing going on. I feel like the drum production's a little different. Um, 
It's a lot of ethereal shit on this yeah, song. Yeah, definitely and a lot of ethereal shit and some even some like electronic shaker type things. I don't know yeah. if they are, but like there's definitely it feels like it's entering a different sort of like timbral space than the rest of the record. And again, that's kind of like what I mean about it making its kind of imprint. Like on music for this time, I think a lot of people, you know, were trying to chase down the balance of, you know, the pop sensibilities while having some of these ethereal sounds and these like far out guitars and stuff. I know our band did, for sure. Right. Were you guys at rehearsal being like, let's try to do something like that I want you song? <laughs> no, no, not, not exactly like that. But I think like songs were definitely like informed by certain things, you know? And, I mean, like, were you guys talking about Third Eye Blind at your rehearsals ever? Oh, yeah. Because I know, like, at, at, sure. at, 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 like, high pulp rehearsals, we're like, oh, that section of that song, like, that's a vibe. Let's, like, catch that energy, you know? Like, yeah. Definitely. I feel like there's even a possibility where we maybe, like, fucked around and tried to play Jumper. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's, like, a, a I think real that, possibility. I mean, I'm, dude. Not not on this record, but Never Let You Go was on the blue record, which follows this one. That's the first like the first song I ever learned how to play on guitar. Oh yeah, totally. I mean that's I remember that song too with the power chords. Um Totally. Totally. But and and just yeah. I really do think that there's some some really there's some really cool lyrics on this record and again, especially for the time that this kind of like kicks in for me but also even though i was exposed to it at 12 or 13 i mean this is you know the record i'm listening all through high school you know all through my early 20s still this is a record i'll still put right, on right, now right, just right. to you know if i if i'm just like oh it's time <clears> for that it's it's time to feel that it's a sunshine record for sure. Right. That's for sure. You don't want this is not right. like the record you want to listen to when it's gray and rainy. I don't think it has like huge value. No, I mean this time. is just as much like this is just as much like California sunshine as like Nirvana is you know Northwest gray. You know like yeah, they just don't really work like that. You know yeah, and and I just thought I don't know there was there was just some shit that kind of kind of struck me early. Like when he's talking about the the village churchyard is filled with bones weeping in the grave. A silver lining of clouds shines on people Jesus couldn't save. I was like, all right, that's some that's some uh, that's some heavy shit. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the thing also about about this record is that it's it's a pop record, so it's like mixed in the way that the vocals and the lyrics are like very much the you know front and center thing. You know, so like that's cool because that's putting that at the front and he's not like necessarily writing, you know, traditional pop lyrics that are like necessarily safe. You know what I mean? Um, no, no, there's a lot, you know, this he's is like all pushing drugs, a lot of shit. sex, right. vices, depression, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fucking, uh, the background. I think this the background is, is cool, man. Yeah. This is a great track, man. When you get the guitars coming in around um, two or three minutes and three nineteen, this is what you know. You feel like you're at the nearing the end of like uh, pinnacle just like, life moment. <laughs> yeah, and also like a whole record. Like you know what I mean. Like this makes a lot of sense. Like where it is on the record because like 
This is really leaning into that like epic anthemic shit. You know what I mean? In a, in a similar way, honestly, like compositionally, in some some way, my brain ties this to like some of the stuff that Coldplay did in the early and mid two thousands of like like just like really like I think Coldplay was really effective at like just making these fucking like long ass like epic things that just built on themselves. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And this is like also that same thing. You know what I mean? I might not be necessarily a Coldplay fan, but I can respect the hell out of that like hey, ability yeah. to compose and um, achieve that result. You know what I mean? Like that's that's cool. And then the way that this song ends uh, is interesting. You yeah. get like the twenty seconds of sort of like of sort of like this, you know, fade out. Like it's it's nice because that's also sort of like a unique thing maybe for a major label record you know yeah that's also got like one of my favorite lyrics of the i carry you around in the background because i felt you long after we we were through it's just like i can't think every time i listen to this song i was just like i can't think of a time where this uh this isn't like a true lyric <laughs> right yeah dude i mean that can be the hard thing though man about like some shit like you have to be able to like get over some of the records that like you listened to and grew up with when you were young because like from like not like get over it but like I, I just know that like some lyrics that i heard when i was in high school like fucked me up because they were like too true and then like i just was like so attached to the the truth that they felt at that moment that like i i just saw that into existence like for years and years beyond that you know what i mean because like that just like froze me in time when I heard that. And then every time I went back to that song, it brought me back to that place. And then I started to like second guess all these other things. And we were like fucking five years deep at that point. And we're like, things have changed. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Like, yeah. it's not the same thing. I like, luckily for me, it's more of like an ever changing thing. You know, right. like, I'm not, I'm not like reflecting on the same person I was at 19. Right. You know, it's kind right, of this, right. this changing moment. And it kind of hits me in a different way, but right. Yeah. I totally understand what you're, you're saying. I've, I've kind of, uh, man, talking to so many like singer songwriters over the course of doing this, this podcast now is right. like, I I've even realized through my own discoveries. It's like, yo, like just because you're listening to this thing and you're, you're resonating with it. Doesn't mean that this is your truth. Exactly. Exactly. Time, exactly. You know? <laughs> or, exactly. or at all you know right right this it's might like, just this is, make you feel something right and that's that weird thing if you're like an empathetic person where you're like getting everything all twisted up <laughs> and you start yeah. to question your own reality and shit you know right. like yeah Absolutely. man but 
But I mean, I think that's a testament to, you know, just good songwriting mm -hmm. beyond the lyrics and, you know, tapping into the music because, you know, if the music's not right, you know, the lyrics won't be right. You know, yeah. so you can't have one without the other, really. I'm, I'm curious to what you thought about Motorcycle Drive-By. I'm sure that you love it. And I think that I could take it or leave it. Okay. Um, I like the first two minutes. I just feel like it's a little too, like, melodramatic in the um, stop-and-go-ness of it. It's like uh, acoustic guitars, and then it's like, here we fucking go. Yeah. And then it's like, ah, acoustic guitars, it's intense. And oh, yeah. fucking go, you know what I mean? But, you know. I, I do love that, though, like, when it does jump into the heavy part, that instead of going into that second verse right away, it does that stutter thing. Just, when he does the, there's this burning. And it like, it hits that drum part. That's what I'm talking about as far as the like compositional uniqueness, you know, like it's not just four, 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 eight, four. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, here we're gonna extend this and we're gonna, and it still might be, I mean, it's all divisible by four. I'm not saying that, but it's like, it's, it's like, you know, different unique turns and using dynamics to signal different things and then not doing the thing that they sick. Like it, it, it's, it's cool in that way. And I feel like those are sort of risks that you, well, I don't know. I think that those are risks that they take throughout the whole record. I was going to say that's, that's a risk that you can especially afford at the end of a record like this. Um, but I think that they do that throughout the whole record. I, I, I just think that for me, like, it's like sort of just like the whole, the cut at 325. Yeah, into the acoustic guitar. At yeah, it's, like, it's just like a little like, you know, all right. And then the So Alive is like, yeah. Yeah, 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 I get it. You know, it's I'm a little not, too corny for you. I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but it's not yeah. for me. You know, that's sort of how I feel about it. Yeah, I, th I think just because of my attachment to the record, you know, that like this is one of those jams that you're, it's gonna be hard to keep me from like shouting these lyrics if we're ever like in the same room and we're listening to this song, like when it hits <laughs> right. that, like, that second part, dude. Like, I'm right, gonna be, we're like, going, we're I'm gonna there. be screaming these lyrics. Yeah, and, it's like I'll see like, you in a few minutes. Man, motorcycle drive by for me for so long, and and maybe you know my buddy Ryan who wrote a lot of the fucking tunes for the music right. we were playing is just like. I think like one of those really 
top-notch kind of gold standard songs and songwriting to us yeah. you know like, totally. and just the way it built anticipation yeah and like yeah well i feel like it's a good thing to take note of and like to learn from as far as that goes because it is so explicit in its sections you know what i mean it is so explicit and then it has that unique turnaround in the middle like you're talking about where the drummer gets some and that is like that is cool to learn from because it's so clear. You know what I mean? And then I think that the next step, I guess, that if I was like writing with somebody is like, okay, let's do that, but like make it a little bit more like obfuscated or a little bit more opaque. Like, right, let's right. make it like a little less on the nose. You know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it totally makes, yeah. I like. I think there's so much to learn from all this whole fucking record, man. This record is just like how to make amazing bangers with a guitar and, and your voice. It's like just melodies on melodies, really incredible melodies. Um, And it's not, it's in no way, um, out of anybody's, uh, ability level. Like no one is saying that, like, I'm not saying that these are in any way, shape or form. Like these are great guitarists. But like we're talking like G major, D major, C major. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we're talking simple chords and power chords. And, you know, like like it's about hearing the thing, which is a lot of times harder than having a fucking long ass music education and playing all these extended technique, extended chords, voicings, all these things like to, to be able to like just write an amazing song with a great melody in a simple way is like what all these fucking cats that have all these extended chords and all this stuff, they want to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but, right, they, right, right. but it's like, that's hard, you know, it's so hard. Yeah. For a long time, I, I, you know, motorcycle drive-by was my favorite jam on the record. Probably if I had to pick one and then just <clears throat> the, the older I get, like God of wine is just like the perfect closer to a record to me. And it's, it's a, uh, this is probably my, if I had to pick one, we go maybe got a wine here, which you might also feel the same way about this jam as you do the previous. I think that this song is one of the most mature songs on the record. Agreed. I just think that like, and again, that makes sense. Like you came to this when you were like 13 or 12 and like, I'm coming to this song and this whole, like all the songs I didn't know on the record when I'm 28. And it's like, to me, like this song is like, Cool, cool. I, oh, all right, man. I hear this. You know, yeah. like, so, this, like this has to be the one that like I feel like we play it out with. We gotta play it out with it. Yeah, man. because like yeah, it's a great, I think it's a great the vocal closer, range dude. showed. Yeah, the, like, yeah. When it opens up, but know, again, it's sort of just like even more than like all the technical stuff. It's about the emotion and like this is the last song on the record for a reason, and I think that like. Yeah, it's just like pretty well articulated, just emotionally, you know, like Yeah, dude. Even I, if you I don't mean, even if even if you don't like speak English, you know what I mean? Like even if you just like are listening to this, like and 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 you're fucking born in Japan or something and you don't speak English and you're like you're going to yeah, hear the emotion in this. You know what I mean? You know, any he, and he's, you know, talking about fucking drugs. And like, there's obviously like a lot of like, I feel like this is like the emotional self-reflection jam, 
more than any of them maybe like exactly as far more as like than, maturity it's more like more than any of them that's how yeah. i feel too and you know and then, and then there is like a little bit of mystery to what's happening yeah. Mm-hmm. And and when he's you know the god of wine comes crashing through the headlights of a car that took you farther than you thought you'd ever want to go, and it's just like what the fuck does that mean? I think you're on drugs. Like, yeah, you're, you're like I you're, think you're, I'm you're, scared. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, this this song, man, just it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful end to this record. Yeah, I think that, I, I think that, yeah, again, it's sort of like, my comment is just like that it goes deeper than the, even than the lyrics. That's why it's a good song. Mm, yeah. Is that like, e- even if you don't understand the lyrics, even if you can't hear the lyrics, whatever, like the emotion of the uh, instrumentation and the performance of that, um, like, like, yeah exactly sort of like articulates the whole vibe like everybody the whole thing is on the same page it's all going to the same place yeah the tone is its language mm-hmm. yeah exactly you exactly know? exactly yeah i think you're exactly. really right though about you know even if this is if you don't speak this language like you can feel mm-hmm. like what he's trying to put out there in totally. each section totally. and again the falsetto in the song and just overall overall fucking tone with this guy is, is killer uh, I have this funny comment from my buddy Frank who sent me this uh, this message about it he said uh, I do not have any soft spot fond memories or love for this record but I made out to it one time with a girl named Mickey I was scared her father was going to shoot me <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude, you gotta get out of that situation, Frank. <laughs> I, I think, know this I think, isn't a therapy podcast, but I, I, I'm telling you, get out of there. I think this was a much uh, different time. I think this was young Frank. You know, young like Frank. being a being a scared boy. You know, scared right. of a father figure that's in the house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's real. That's real. That's why you gotta kiss people at Zoomies. <laughs> That's why you gotta get your Their father sessions. is not there, <laughs> dude. I'm glad that you gave this record more, you know, like a second and third chance through yeah. because I do know just from previous conversations, you're not usually somebody that like if it doesn't grab you usually that first time. I'm it's very not much gonna like be a, something that's gonna gonna yeah. find a place for you. And I not to wanna, say that I think that you're gonna be like listening to this record all the time or like yeah but i think you might appreciate it more if somebody does throw it on tour i think that's exactly exactly right like i i realistically am like probably not gonna put it on but like when we go on a road trip i will be very excited to listen to it you know yeah or if you hear one of these songs now yeah i'll be like hell yeah i mean i might put on graduate every once in a while because that's the fucking banger (laughs) but um yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely working on that too. Of just sort of like, I know that I am very much like, you know, it's like some people like they 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 eat a food and they're like, I don't like that, and then they like don't want to eat it again. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and some people like are like, oh, I'm just gonna like keep eating, you know, the mushrooms, or I'm gonna keep eating olives or whatever the fuck. 
and then you like come around to it yeah so you know i'm trying to like tap into that a little bit more but i also think that like you know i i think that it's really an important thing for me like i value being able to just like have that like first impression you know evaluation and like trust it you know what i mean mm-hmm. um from a compositional place you know what i mean like but i also think that like you know like there's just so much to be learned and gained like from studying things that are heralded as like like you know part of the canon and this is like definitely a part of the canon of like 90s guitar rock you know what i mean it's like if, if you don't understand like esp by miles davis i think you should probably listen again you know what i mean i don't think that you should like just discard it so i have to like be able to apply that in the same way you oh know? fuck yeah or it's like if you don't if you don't like get if you don't like you know understand the importance of like illmatic or like fucking you know uh blonde or something like mm-hmm. that it's like you should listen again you know yeah and i'm not i'm i'm not gonna i'm not saying i'm putting this in the same category as like you know no but even for you, like yourself, but even like blonde, for yourself but... like you're gonna like hit something maybe like that spiritualized record where it isn't gonna mean a whole lot to you still. right 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 and exactly like, you, you can try yeah. hard and and that doesn't necessarily mean that trying hard is gonna make it hit for you but right. it's like you can just be like well if a trillion people said i should listen to this yeah i listened to it once and i didn't like it like maybe i'll listen to it twice and then see how i really feel um being open is key man you've taught me that a lot for sure that's so funny because like i feel like i'm really bad at being open you know what i mean well you know it's it's more that like i think that you're one of the people that have not in that sense but you're one of the people that's like really challenged my ear right <laughs> for some reason i've just like wanted to go down the rabbit hole because i like want to right it's not that i'm open but it's that i if you're gonna listen to the shit i tell you to listen to you're gonna have to be open <laughs> yeah pretty much but like i right. and, and like some of it like speaks to me heavy like once right. i wrap my head around it some of it and doesn't. it's like a big part of it is just because it like may it like registers in this much different place than like this third eye blind record does like on it like in like what it evokes from me right and i feel like to me it's like this third eye blind record for me feels sort of what i think that that like guided by voices record was like for you in a way where it's like you listen the first time you're like huh whatever and then you're sort of like okay slowly sort of like coming around a little more to it and then you're like yeah I, i don't know i just think that like there's a lot to be like gained from trying things, you know, a couple times, you know, I agree. It's yeah. like, how the fuck do you know if you like or don't like something, if you only try it once, like there's so many, so many external factors that go into the thing. Like you're, we've talked about this. You're never purely consuming anything. Right. 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 You might be in some type of mood. You might be hungry. You might be tired. You might be happy. You might be fucking, it might be sunny. You know, like there's all these things that tap into like your experience of the record. So like to base your opinion of a record off of one experience when there's all these external factors that are definitely influencing your experience of the record, but have nothing to do with the musical content of the record. 
how are you going to base your your like published opinion on that <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> it's like just listen to it again like listen to it again and you might you know it might not be good when you're playing rocket league but it might be good when you're doing the dishes you know what i mean and it's like you're gonna hear amen. it you're gonna amen. hear it you're gonna hear it totally different you know amen i also uh i i actually feel like this is this is a fine rocket league album i'd be fine to play rocket league to this oh i think it is yeah i, I did it it's got enough ups yeah, did you oh, end up I mean, checking out bunch of, uh bunch of that b-side i sent you tattoo of the sun I did, but I was driving home and it was on my fucking yeah. uh, phone speaker. It's just like one of the the most popular B-sides. Like a song that you would probably see them play live, actually. Well, I know this record um, because, like, you know, this record came out, I think, in, like, 07. The, like, greatest hits or whatever. Yeah. And, like, I was, I was like, when I was, like, 14, 15. So, yeah, like, I was... That was when I was like, you know, I was playing along to these songs and stuff. So I definitely yeah. like heard this record. I remember when it came out. So I probably listened to it at some point. But, you know, I feel like also back then, like, I grew up in this weird time that was after your time and before Spotify, where like so much of everything was based on singles. You know, like, it wasn't, you weren't really listening to albums. You know what yeah, I mean? Man. Like, I hear you. So, I mean, I, I remember like a handful of albums that I listened to fully, and it was 8701 by Usher. That was the first album I ever had. Okay. It was Pain is Love by Ja Rule. Uh, okay. My sister got that CD. It was Get Rich or Die Trying. Shout out um, to Yeah, it was Get Rich or Die Trying by 50 Cent, and it was um, Street Dreams by Fabulous. Um, yeah, what about like, and then, what about Hot Fuss? Was the killers? I didn't listen to Hot Fuss. I didn't listen to it in full. No. Okay. Because no, like I, just, I thought I, I mean, that I was listened to Mr. Brightside a million yeah. times. Because I also like feel great. like throughout that a lot of really that good. throughout of that like throughout a lot of that time for me also there was a lot of records where you would really only enjoy a few songs. That's what I was talking about at the end of the last podcast. Is just like there's so many fucking records from this era where there is 14 tracks on an album maybe like really into and like, like six three of them to four are good, of them three or five totally. you know maybe half the record but right. not like this where like there's not really any reason to skip anything here it's not gonna right even if you don't yeah, like, I mean, love it it's gonna be over pretty quickly right i remember american idiot was another one i went through like in full and that was oh, like yeah. huge that was huge for me for sure. um and then I also remember, um, this was when I was younger, probably like fifth and sixth grade, but that good Charlotte record was big yeah. for me. Fucking, that was huge when I was like that were age. You, were you pretty into and, the Angels um, and Airwaves too? Oh yeah, dude. That was, that was eighth, ninth grade was Angels and Airwaves. I really, uh, for being somebody yeah, that, I loved, I loved Blink-182 dude, dude. And for I, somebody I thought that, Tom DeLonge yeah. was dope. And the drumming on that shit. I used to play on those drums all the time. On I the Blink stuff? Like, that whole record. No, the Blink on the stuff Angels or the Angels and Airwaves, Airwaves stuff, dude. I forgot who the... Angels who and the, Airwaves. I forgot who the drummer is on that record, but I remember... Adam when, Adam Willard. When I forgot what band. He's from a band before that, I believe, because Tom 
Tom DeLonge kind of put together a band full of other, like it was almost like a super group of indie bands aside from Blink, like the other guys that made up that band, I feel like. I could be completely wrong, but I... He was playing with the Offspring, dude. For as much as I like love Blink, I was... He was playing with the Offspring and Rocket from the Crypt. I was like pretty into uh, like what Tom was trying to do with Angels and Airwaves. Like I loved, I loved that move because I was just like, "Cool!" I just get to hear more of the dude whose voice I already like, and you get to hear it in this like spacey atmosphere. Yeah, I thought that that what was cool about Angels and Airwaves was that they just like fully committed to space. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it was like I remember when like the adventure came out, and again on on MTV that video. And they're just like in the fucking space station. Yeah. Adam Willard is playing this like acrylic fucking like see-through kit. It was fucking crazy. And yeah, man, I mean, yeah, I was definitely, that was huge for me. That record, uh, We Don't Need to Whisper, dude. That was like eighth grade and I was playing the drums. And that was at the point when I was like really focused on understanding like not even thinking about it like this, but like what I was doing was I was learning about like form of songs and like specifically within drums to be like, okay, it's like eight bars of this groove. And then on the eighth bar, he does this fill and then he crashes here and then he goes to this thing and then he does four bars and then fill that, you know, just like really like dissecting the sort of like structure of shit to like put it in my brain in this sort of like Lego form. You know what I mean? As opposed to like thinking about it in this sort of like nebulous thing where it's like really hard to understand songs until you sort of like think about them like Legos. And Adam Willard was the coolest drummer to like learn that shit from. Him and Jason McGurr from Death Cab. Um, Adam came first and then I got into Jason McGurr when I was like in like freshman, sophomore year of high school. Um but yeah, dude, those records were those records were big for me. But then we're getting into that high school shit. I was mostly talking about like that, you know, that middle school. Yeah, 50, that was like just a lot of rap. That was like Fifty Cent G Unit, that G Unit record, Beg for Mercy, for sure, all the time. But like, yeah, I also junior high. I don't remember like too many other records that I would love front to back necessarily. Yeah, maybe the Eve Six one. There was one that with Eve, Inside yeah. Out. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That I remember that one. song. That song blew my mind when I first heard it. I also, was like, this is the best song ever. <laughs> this might sound wild, but the first Smash Mouth record had a Dude. lot of like punk rock energy to it. And I love that album and would play the shit out of that thing, like even, you know, well that's into in- like eighteen. <laughs> yeah, bro. That's that's like I mean, All Star is an all time banger. I don't That's know not if- even on that album. Is Walking on the Sun on that yeah. album? Yeah. Okay. Walking on the Sun is the, the that shit is fire. One. And there's some, um, there are some songs on that that came out the dude, same you know, year as this album. Okay, I remember that shit. Uh, I don't remember listening to that album, but I remember Walking on the Sun was on like Now Four or something. <laughs> you remember all? Yeah, and now. like yeah. we had, yeah, dude, we had Now Four, and I remember playing backyard baseball with fucking Pablo Sanchez and Pete Wheeler and Ken Griffey Jr. And uh, and I would listen to Now 4, whatever Now it was that had that on it. Nice. And I remember hitting a pocket 
when that song came on and I would just repeat that song on like Windows Media Player and I just listened to Walking on the <laughs> Sun for like player, dude. Nice. for like 30 minutes while playing backyard baseball, man. Yeah, that that was that was good. Um yeah, it's, it's an interesting it's just interesting to look back on all that stuff and you know, you take all that stuff in your DNA and it's like I think for both of us being like white kids from the suburbs, it's like you grew up with this like interesting balance of like a ton of like rock and like punk mm-hmm. and then a ton of hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I didn't listen to jazz at all yeah. until I was in like really in like late high school, early college, mostly early college, you know, <laughs> like, and I didn't, I mean, you know, it was just like R and B hip hop or like punk rock, you know, that's, that's what like, I listened to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it was always like really spread out for me genre wise. And I think even from a pretty early age, I exposed myself to some albums that like I really liked and were, you know, fuck, man, I was like eight years old, dude, when green, when dookie came out and that was an album like I had and would play all the time i had the tape of dookie i had (laughs) like operation ivy is the one of the first cds i ever had that's crazy and in yeah i I know i just just had it is young dude i had a cool fucking neighbor kid who was like a couple years older than me and between him and you know being kind of like at a point where it it was like more acceptable to let your kid just go home after they came home from school, you know, and just right, like no one right. be there for like an hour. I would just come right, home right, and, right. and watch MTV every single day, dude. That's sick, dude. But that's what we yeah, would I mean, do. Like every day, we come home and we would watch that shit, and then we found, and then you like you find out about Rancid, and then all of a sudden you you somehow found out about Operation Ivy, like the band before right. Rancid, and and all right, this shit, right. man, and then. Like so, so See, much we would cool just come home fucking and play video music, games. Dude. So much yeah. cool fucking music, um, like came out at that time. And I was just watching this documentary on YouTube the other day. I I can't remember what it is, but it kind of explores like that early '90s punk scene, like a lot of the Lookout Records stuff, like Green mm-hmm. Day and mm-hmm. Op Ivy, and they talked to Offspring and like a bunch of California bands and. Right. Like, dude, when Green Day got on the radio, it was like, dude, this is like just some punk band. Like that. Yeah, these guys don't know how to play their dude. shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, and all that stuff was on the on the radio for me, like as a kid. That's and that's wild, what I was exposed man. to, and it was like that in Offspring, and and it was like, you know, even like no effects was like in the zeitgeist and yeah. like i knew about these other punk bands and i would get like the punkorama compilations and yeah it was like i don't know i was just like i was seeing a lot of that shit and even like you know like no doubt was even like in that scene of like punk rock that right, and right. all that all that stuff was like happening pretty close around me too in some regards oh, it's like all the Southern orange California, county scene man. yeah 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 you know most of those bands would come through the showcase theater and play which was in corona where i grew up that's crazy and 
like when they were younger bands like blink would play there and like afi and sublime and no doubt and offspring afi dude that was dude. one of the first cds i had was afi <laughs> i remember being i think i was in like seventh grade and i had the afi my my coach was like what are you listening to i was like afi He's like, whoa, you listen to AFI? I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't, I, I didn't really like it though. Like I liked, it was like one of those records where it was like, I liked like half, maybe less, maybe like I liked like three or four of the songs and the rest yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? But yeah, man, I mean, that's cool that you were buying shit like when you were eight or like obviously you weren't buying it, but like, you know, yeah, you were like getting records. But this yeah, is- Yeah, like uh, I didn't I just, really- this is what's one of those records that's unopened for me. Uh, this is the the AFI. Oh, wild, uh, dude! Black Sails <laughs> album. I don't know <laughs> I that one. I just bought this shit. Um, yeah, one of the early AFI records, but I don't know. Yeah, that. man, I got lucky. I was exposed to some cool shit early, like even the Metallica, like our our family babysitter, this woman Christy, dude. I think about her all the time. She changed my life, dude. Like shout out to Christy, dude. She was, you know, she was probably like 12 when she met my family and I was, you know, three or four and she started babysitting me and she babysat me all through high school. And she just like became like this big sister figure to me when I was 12 years old. So she would like, sometimes she would babysit me for the weekend. My parents would like go to Vegas or something. You like listen to music. Dude, she fucking took me to see Metallica when I was 12. She took me to Lollapalooza. (laughs) Lollapalooza 96, dude. Only got to see the last... In Chicago? No. It used to be a touring thing. Lollapalooza used to be something that went around. It was like like Warp Tour. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, So check it out. So they come through, and Christy is like a huge Metallica fan. She exposed me to all the Metallica, and Metallica was like my first, you know, favorite big band. Band. And I followed them like heavy... um, up until now so it's like so she like we go to this water park that's in the same parking lot as where Lollapalooza is this year it used to be called Irvine Meadows this huge outdoor amphitheater in Irvine headlining is Metallica and we go to the water park and then we get done and she's like Dan we're gonna try to see Metallica and I'm just like sick <laughs> you know like okay cool how and old are you i'm 12 <laughs> i wish i would have kept the shirt dude i had i had you a had a lollapalooza yeah. 96 yeah. shirt yeah <laughs> man yeah so i fucking we go and like that lineup was crazy dude it was it was rancid it was the last year of the original ramones lineup whoa we only got to see the last two performances Blew my fucking mind, dude. I got to see Soundgarden. Chris Cornell play Black Hole Sun by himself. Wow. Like, so Soundgarden went on, and then fucking Metallica. Metallica. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm done forever, dude. She changed my life, dude. That's your first concert? Uh, First concert was uh, Genesis, and and then after that, Phil Collins. Wow. And then the Metallica one. Like, But she, she, like, again, parents, huge credit. They took me to shit like that. They took me to see Genesis. They took me to see Phil Collins because I had like a general interest and was like singing along in the car and shit. Right. So credits credit to them. Huge. Like obviously a game changer there. But like 
man, I just like think about my 12 year old mind when I'm like actually like able to absorb shit a little bit differently. Right. Cause like, I remember like vague, you know, some little moments of those Phil Collins concerts. And like, right. I think I have some images in my mind that maybe I've like made up possibly right. of like right, what right, they right. were, but maybe they're Whatever. real. Whatever. But like, yeah, at 12 dude, like that shit, that no, shit changed crazy, everything, man. dude. That's crazy. I mean, I didn't buy my first CDs until I was in fifth grade. I don't think maybe fourth grade, fifth grade. And then I didn't go to a concert until I was like probably 15. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, man, that's crazy. That's awesome. Anyway, man, I'm glad that you uh, gave this record a chance. I'm glad that you like understand what it is now, because I do feel like it is also a pretty huge record and obviously means a lot to so many different people i also think it's a misunderstood record because like your buddy said it's not the bangers like there's a lot more going on than than semi-charmed life and jumper you know yeah a whole lot more going on agreed um you want to talk about what we're going to get into for the next couple episodes yeah let's let's move it move it we're at two hours shout out to the listeners man Oh, we're we're deep. We're past two hours at this point. Oh know? yeah, because you gotta put the music in. Yeah. <laughs> we're at two thirty. Don't okay. worry, I'll keep the intro very short and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and also in the intro, I'll let people know when I'll be like, if you just want to hear us talk about the record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that here, happens at the here. thirty minute mark. Cut here. We did a thirty minute preamble before we started talking about That's the record. Right. But that was a good preamble, man. I tell you what. Hey, um, sometimes you got to let it fly. And that, again, is why we're only doing one at a time now. That's right. And uh, we appreciate Otherwise the people that, that go. Five-hour podcast. Yeah. We appreciate um, the, the people that go that go heavy, though, you know? All right. I'm going to uh, go first. I'm going to go first here. Okay. First record, Within and Without by Washed Out. Oh, nice. I have listened to that record twice in my life oh dude both times with you at grandma's house dude pretty high on your <laughs> bed <laughs> and i just remember being like that was cool that was a vibe but i like really don't remember it at all you know how sick is it that i found our original podcast that is crazy yeah if you really want that uh listeners go ahead and we should and, do a patreon for that dude yeah 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 exactly if you want to <laughs> listen to that they have to pay five dollars yeah you pay five bucks and you get to hear a podcast uh from like 2013 13 probably maybe yeah 13 14 14 uh, at best at best yeah uh because we're talking about i went to london and we we're talking about that yeah dude it's it's very funny and we are blasted we are lift we are off. younger versions of ourselves <laughs> we <have laughs> lifted off i didn't um, get a chance to listen to the whole thing because it's also like a two hour it's fucking two it's like an hour and 46 so I'll have minutes to let, yeah. i'll have to go through a little bit more, more um, intently so within, within and without, without with washed out all right okay 22 a million by bonnie bear damn haven't fucking listened to it except for one time when it first came out um but i think i i saw him after the tour for ii i remember some of those um and then um oh man fuck you're gonna like this last one but i forgot um hey i just want to let you know that i'm gonna make this really hard for you too all right good because i'm already having a hard time good okay uh the third one 
is a whole new fucking lane. It is A Night at the Met by Robin Williams. Uh, okay. We're going to introduce the, the idea. Yeah. Because uh, the thing is this. For IDIG Records, the only prerequisite from here on out, and I think so far has been true too, is that it's available on vinyl. And that shit's on vinyl. It's not a record. It's not a music record. Yeah. I think that we've done some records that don't exist. Which ones? Possibly. Sonny, Sonny Chirac got pressed and Kia got pressed. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we have. Maybe everything <laughs> think, we have. I All think, right, cool. I think, I think we have. I, I don't know if we ever like assigned that as no, a, no, no, as no, a prerequisite, but I like it. I like it. We did it. two records that wasn't those weren't the case when we did those records. Yeah, that's but. true because we also did not the the knowledge record, which wasn't pressed yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I remember we did the Sunny Chirac record, and then I was like, "It's not on vinyl," and then I was like, "Oh shit, it is!" And I bought it on the cast. This is also like a really good podcast to find out if it's on vinyl. Right. Exactly. For even even for us. Right. <laughs> like, oh yeah. No, you're gonna check. You know? It's like no, I did get repressed. Right. Um, those are my three man so i'm not really familiar with that particular set with the robin williams one so i'm not super confident in picking that one okay unless that we're we're like both willing to like maybe sit through some stuff that's maybe gonna fall fall flat just because you never know with the stand-up with you know contextually but yeah well what i heard about that one i was reading about it is like it's from the 80s and it's just like a lot of that is a lot of 80s jokes a lot of like ronald reagan jokes and yeah you know and and, you know i i just think robin williams like pretty fucking genius oh amazing dude oh that that is like a man that's a super iconic special so here's my other thing with like robin williams though i feel like you should really you should watch it he's such a physical dude yeah, that's true. And I don't think true. that you get necessarily all of that through the record. I right. would love to like for us to do some stand up records, and I okay. definitely have quite a few in my collection. Yes, I see that. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. Hey, I'm gonna go as much as I would love to do the Boney Vare record. I knew you were gonna do the washed out. I wanna do the washed out just because I feel like that project's a little less known. Yeah, I think it's true. The lesser of the two. True. I don't think by any means like right, right, right. that dude's obviously made a killer it's career, not and yeah, he's playing no, like a, the biggest venues that Portland has when he record. comes through. I just, you know, right. I think that his following is definitely a little lesser known, and also I just haven't listened to that record front to back in so long, so I just think it'll be fun. Shout out to fucking. Maybe I'll just need to listen to twenty two a million on my own. I'm I'm down to do I that guess record. I can do that. I would love if if hey if I pick two that you really want to do we could just make that you know the next four records. <laughs> All right, cool. Because cool. I know I got I got okay. I got I got some good ones for you. All right. All right. So we're doing washed out within without. And then I have selected Flying Lotus's Los Angeles. Mm. And mm. then I have also picked Kamal Williams' The Return. Okay. I uh I have the uh the Yusuf Kamal record, Black Focus, and right. I think it's incredible, right. but I have never listened to this Kamal Williams album and I listened Return. to the first two tracks and I almost listened to the whole thing because I was just like, oh, I need to st- I had like I had to pull the plug cuz we were going to do this podcast. <laughs> and uh Yeah, that album's dope. That album's then, super dope. Uh Title Fight, Hyperview. Oh man! 
All right, I got to think about it. Um, so it's Again. between L.A. and title fight. Um, if you want to pick both the, of them. And the Kamal Williams, the Kamal Williams record is great, um, but it's it, it's like like you've already done Black Focus, and I we've talked about that on the podcast at some point. I'm sure. Like that that record is sort of. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to like talk about them like they're in relation to each other a hundred percent, but they really are pretty like they're, they're of the same lineage. Um, and I feel like we would have more interesting conversations if we were talking about fly low and, okay. uh, and title fight. Yeah, man. I think we should just do the double. Let's do like it. that Let's title go. fight record. Do that. That title fight record is so fucking good. I love it so much. I can't. I would love to listen to it more. And then uh, the Flyla record is like that's like early. That's his like first real full length record, and he's been doing shit for like Adult Swim, and like he's like making like like beat music and like house shit. He's like yeah. really not even in like the the hip hop scene at all. It's like it's like electronic. It's like club shit. You know, mm-hmm. like like rave shit type shit, and. Um, yeah, like that that record. And it also has like my favorite Flylo song on it. So Check I it think out. that Yeah, let's do both of them, man. Let's go Flylo Los Angeles. Yeah. For the next episode. And then we'll do okay. the washed out record. Okay. And then we'll bounce into hyperview. And yep. then we'll finish then off we'll with the, the twenty two million. And we'll be fucking, right. we'll be cruising. And this, we'll this see you podcast in June. will be into its 20s. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. We'll see you next year. Um, All right, man. That'll give us, right, a, we got cool. some homework to do. Yeah, for real. We're okay, playing. Cool. You know, we're making, those, we're making long-term plans. No, I'm excited to listen to all those <laughs> records. That's exciting. And I'm really excited to listen to that Bon Iver one because everybody told me i I just need to listen to it but i I haven't for some reason you know and that title or that um washed out record i have listened to and i know i thought it was really cool but it's been probably six years since i listened to it and i listened to it like twice like i said i remember uh jeremy loving that record oh cool 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 yeah i'm I'm sure i'll like associated with him you know when you guys came through and and crashed him pulling that one out just being like oh this record it's so, a lot of sense, so I like sense, you know. Um, but yeah, let's fucking wrap this up. Send us an email, dancablepresents at gmail dot com. All the links will be yeah. In the let us know what notes. you think. Uh, yeah, tell Ask us, us more your, what, you know. what you think about the the Stephen Jenkins Third Eye Blind, you know, or just whatever. Talk some shit if you want, like about Dan, you know. Yeah, if you need advice. Yeah. So I gave somebody relationship advice today, didn't I? I gave us, I, I gave know, sort man. of everybody. We're fucking, but yeah. we're so deep into this. Uh, the ev- the links will be in the episode notes. We're doing fly, uh, flying Lotus Los Angeles for the fly next. Fly the uh, Lotus. <laughs> flying Lotus. Fly Lotus. <laughs> fly Lotus. Um, we're doing flying use Lotus. Use Distro Kid if you're gonna get some shit. Use Distro Kid. Yeah, use the hit the link. It's in the, it's in the. Uh, the episode notes there, and then you get thirty percent off your uh, your first year of service, Shout out and that to makes it like fifteen dollars or something. Official sponsor. 
official sponsor official sponsor dude um can't thank distro kid enough you know Un- unlimited uploads yeah unlimited uploads unlimited and then there's unl there's a lot of other perks to you know getting your music out there and all that that stuff so hit the distro kid did link you say 30 how much off. what's up how it's 30 percent off yeah dude 30 percent off <laughs> Uh, let's do that again. <laughs> it's 30% off. 30% off. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was so bad. So all right. Bad. All right. We're out of here. Um, Fucking and, peace, y'all. Uh, yeah. We're going to play it out with the last track off that that Third Eye Blind self-titled God of Wine. Love you, cuz. Love you, cuz. Catch you on the flip. I will be listening to Los Angeles by Flying Lotus. Oh yeah, my! Dude. Next time on I very Dig excited, Records. Very excited. I Dig Records. IDR Volume 15, 16. Getting the license. We're getting the license next time. <laughs> the cast gets a license, and it's yeah, driving dude. to and then fly once low. it's time for once it's time for fucking title fight, we're joining the military. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude! All right, man. All right. Peace. Every fault that I repent, there's another chip you have and spent, and you're cashing them all in. Where do we begin to get clean again? Can we get clean?
together.